Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. I'm frothing to bring you guys this one. Uh, this podcast is with the legendary J.O. Archer, the first man to ever land a triple backflip in competition on a dirt bike. It's insane just saying it. Uh, but you're about to spend the next few hours listening to uh, to how a guy who just sort of came out of, of nowhere essentially just really believed that he was a guy that could do this this triple flip in a way that other people sort of weren't doing them. Like Sheeny kind of put put it down after he did his um, at Pastrana Land. I think that was back in 2015. So this is a really, really great story of a guy who just had a crazy goal uh, and just never gave up on that goal until he completed it, which was only very recently. So I uh, I know what you guys like to listen to at this point. I've been doing it a long time, and this is an episode that I know you guys are going to absolutely love. So very excited to bring you this episode. Before we get into that, though, just uh, a few little messages. Uh, we've just pressed go on our new membership site, which is at gypsytales.com gypsy-tales.com to be uh, exact. Uh, and this podcast with Jay Archer has actually been up on our private members only feed for about a week now. Um, that's kind of, I guess, the main thinking. There's a bunch of benefits on the membership website. Uh, but I think the main one for me was I was, I was getting a little bit frustrated with uh, kind of having to wait for the whole YouTube uh, schedule to, to post the, the podcast. So over the last few years, we've been sitting on a lot of great shows for, for weeks sometimes before we actually um, kind of get them into like the the schedule for, for YouTube. So that's done and dusted. You basically get to hear the full show without any ads on our private members only feed pretty much the same day uh, that we record it. It goes up on the members only feed. It also comes with a really cool custom members only thumbnail. We're going to be changing that as well um, throughout the year, just just to give it more of, I guess, like a personalized feel. Um, that members only feed thumbnail comes up like when you share the podcast as well. There's a ton of other cool benefits and members only content. Um, all of our stuff is going to go there before it goes on YouTube. Uh, that's like vlogs, bike builds, uh, the merch as well. You'll get early access to all of our merch. So yeah, a bunch of really cool stuff there. Uh, it's all explained at gypsytales.com. I don't want to take up too much of your time here. Uh, and if you sign up for a year right now, we're giving away my 125 Dream Build. 
all three of our Dream Build uh, episodes are there for free now on the member website as well. So gypsytales.com uh, if you're keen. We're basically just going to be pumping all that, uh, all the membership money back into production of the podcast. Hopefully this means that we're just going to be able to step up what we do on this end uh, so you guys get even more of the great content that you love. We're also brought to you by the guys at Manscaped and Happy New Year from the guys at Manscaped. The ball has officially dropped, but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. Whether you had a New Year's kiss or not, the leaders in below the waist grooming have you covered for your much needed resolution of bringing sexy back. I'm one of those guys trying to bring sexy back for this year. You can join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com slash gypsygang and use that code to get 20% off plus free shipping. Let us have a toast for the new year, a new you, and a new you with no gross pubes sticking out the top of your bonds. A big part of 2022 was my... Well, I should say 2021 and 2022, really. Since Manscaped jumped on board with us, my uh, male grooming routine has definitely stepped up. Uh, and look, I've experienced some uh, I've experienced some good things as a result of that, I guess you could say. So instead of New Year, New You, let's go New Year, New Balls with the grooming leaders in Below the Waist Grooming. This year, take your package to the next level with their Performance 4.0 package and other premium wet goods. Inside that Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0 the adv- with the advanced skin-safe technology that reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It also comes equipped with a 400K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2023 looks to be. And a grooming routine isn't complete without applying Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver before showing off your 2023 self. You also get the travel bag, the anti-chafing boxes as a free gift. Uh, and look, this travel bag has come in quite handy for me last year. Get all of this 20% off with free shipping just by inserting the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code gypsygang. Time to feel sexy and feel free in 2023 with Manscaped. We're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile here in Australia. You can head to boost.com.au. I've been running Boost since 2018, pretty much since we started this podcast. And I've honestly never looked back. I do... The, uh, the, the biggest plan that you can get, I just whack that on and it lasts me a year. Uh, it's so much cheaper in my mind than dealing with the, the ongoing plans and all of the, all the nonsense that uh, comes with that. I mean, I've definitely, I feel like everyone's been kind of caught out with that in the past. They also do refurb phones as well. So I just grab a new one of those every year. And honestly, it just takes care of all of my mobile needs. Uh, They're also doing a massive push on international roaming right now. You can get roaming in 40 plus countries for just uh, for less than $3 a day. So all of that info is at boost.com.au. Search their international roaming packages and just see if that's right for you uh, on a trip that you've got coming up. We're going to be doing a bunch of traveling this year. So that international roaming is going to come in handy for us. Boost.com.au. Once again, I can't rave about these guys highly enough. 
We're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. The leaders in dirt bike parts and accessories, hands down, by far, in Oz. Uh, if you are not able to get into their Burley Superstore, uh, you can just order before 2 p.m. and you get same-day shipping. So it's kind of just like you were there anyway. Once again, that's mxstore.com.au. We're also brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz. You can head to crushoz.com. Uh, and I would recommend starting with their bike care bucket. That's their one-stop shop. It's kind of like the Manscaped thing. It just all comes in like one handy container and then you just work your way through it. Uh, it's definitely taken all of the guesswork out of washing a bike for me. It's kind of just saves time too. Everything's just right there. It's already ready to rip. Just get the bucket out, run through once, uh, once over of all the products and your bike looks mint. We are also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. You can head to rivalincdesignco.com. Use code GYPSYGANG for 15% off there. That code is also going to work at fisthandwear.com. And if you call Kyle at Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton, you need a new or used vehicle, tell him you're one of the Gypsy Gang, he is going to hook you up. That's it for me. Thank you for bearing with that. Appreciate all of our awesome sponsors going into this new year. We have some really cool content coming up over the next few months planned, uh, really for the rest of the year. We're, we're like super ahead of it this year. So very excited. Thank you very much. Enjoy this episode with J.O. Archer. From the gang I got a, a bunch of like the black rifle fucking Oh the Yetis? Yetis. Yeah, yeah they're so good man. Pretty sweet those things. Stay hot or cold as long as you Oh want. dude. Yeah, so pull this bad boy up close. Yep. And then is he in the middle there or goes yep. yep. Sweet. How close are we going with that? Yeah, you'll hear that it's just a like you have the headphones so you can, so hear, I can hear you, you. start going away yeah and then you know like kind of just keeps you in check yeah so. i did my first podcast with headphones only the other week when i was in america oh yeah i hadn't done it before with the headphones and um it was good because it was four of us like you can kind of talk over each other but yeah. we were drinking beers we were like I was, was that, that the drink champs one drinking bros drinking bros do you know those guys no no nah, nah. i've heard of them but i don't know i think they're um i mean i hadn't met them but they're pretty i think they're pretty big in the yeah, podcast yeah, game because yeah, yeah. when we did it it came out at like it was number 80 in the world yeah. for the day and it was just, it was just talking bullshit and the boys own like a it's called hard af seltzer it's like a yeah vodka. yeah yep, yep. and they're like eight percent cans and, you were just and we hammered. we had like six of them before we started and then i did a shoey with out of a fucking texan cowboy boot and i'm like boys i've got to have a piss like yeah, I, yeah. I did two pisses in the podcast I'm yeah like i can know well if you're busting for a piss in this at all yeah just say wait yeah on. sweet and so there's i've no drank about three three liters of water already today so oh. <laughs> you're you're like pretty health conscious eh? like it's a pretty massive part of your yeah your program. it is like i try to, i try to be as much as i can like i'm not you're not crazy crazy nah i'm not crazy but like i'm pretty i'm like self-educated on like training because like yeah. you know i've never really learned off anyone but i've kind of taught myself a lot of that stuff but as far as like the nutrition and stuff goes i would say I'm as good as I can be. Like I don't, I don't know too much about it, but I just try to do the right thing yeah. when I can. Yeah. Um, I guess it. I don't know. Like I just fuck. I, I eat a lot too because yeah. I train a lot and burn a lot of energy. I'm always up. Like, dude, I get up at like three thirty, four o'clock most mornings. So I'm, yeah. And I'm, I've already had like two to three meals before like seven a.m. Yeah, so I just yeah. like eat heaps throughout the day, just like smaller sort of portions. But, um. Yeah, drinking like I just I smash water, man. Like yeah. I drink like I'll drink like probably f 
don't know, four, five liters. Yeah, five liters. Dude, probably. I need to get on that. Like, yeah. for, for whatever reason, eh? Like, so, so I've got, I've only got one kidney. Oh, and, no way. and I'm on this, like, blood pressure medication because yep. of the kidney thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then I've got a, I've, I pretty much like can't be dehydrated when I'm on this yeah. medication, but I'm always fucking dehydrated. No I just, way. How do you Drinking go? water makes me feel nauseous. Really? Yeah. You should maybe get some, um, have you ever drank like the BCAAs? Well, that's what I it do. It makes it like a bit more exciting. Electrolytes. Yeah, yeah same sort of like thing. I'll get little bits of electrolytes in there. Because even like if I'm getting, yeah, because it's pretty easy to get sick of that, like just drinking water. Yeah. But I might even just throw like a half a scoop of that in. And yeah. I, I always put like... I, I use creatine every day, like 10, 10 yeah. grams of that a day, like normally like two scoops. Yeah. And that shit's good for you, man. It is, eh? That's like, but it's funny with creatine, it's like you've got to, you've got to take it every, it, well, you don't have to, but it's better to take it every day, even if you're not riding a bike or yeah, mountain yeah. biking or training. Yeah. It's one of those things you've got to keep it in your system, and I've learned. So I just take that and then like, yeah, if it's getting a bit boring, chuck a scoop of that bcaa powder because at least it tastes yeah, a little bit yeah. more exciting like yeah drinking tap water gets a bit old yeah. <laughs> well that's on. what i do the soda stream oh yeah so yeah, like yeah. i just love sparkling like yeah, much, yeah. it doesn't have bubbles fuck if off. i can go away yeah, 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 yeah. get fucked yeah yeah no i can yeah i can fucking agree with you on that one for what, sure when did you start that whole like did that come out of riding or it was just always where hey you've yeah, like, like the training and stuff yeah, yeah. um now to be honest like i didn't really i didn't know much about it. i never really went to gyms like i actually grew up playing footy like rugby league um in sydney mm. my family's pretty big in in the footy and stuff so i used to do that like did a lot of that kind of training but i never really went to the gym until i lived in china when i was um I think I was like 18 maybe or 19. 19, I think, when I moved there. And I what lived was there. that for? That was for the... It was like a Freestyle Kings. So you went over and did that? Yeah. yeah there was so a few of you boys that did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I was there for like two years. And um, I kind of just like... We had a lot of time to kill basically because we rode at like 9.30 or 10 p.m. every night. Yeah. So it was like, what are you going to do all day? And we had access to a really good gym. So I sort of just started picking it up and like trying to learn things there. And it was mainly at the start. It was just to try to kill time throughout the day so yeah. you weren't bored because yeah. no one spoke English. Like, there was nothing to do. Yeah. And um, you can only talk to yourself for so long before you get bored. Yeah. So I started going to the gym and then at the start it was like I kind of didn't really know what I was doing but I didn't really care because it was just, you know, there was a couple of us there. And then, I don't know, it was after like a, well, probably honestly like a couple of weeks and then I was like, like, I don't mind this. So it's kind of pretty cool. Yeah. And then I sort of just started getting into it there. And that's, I'm, I'm really glad that it's probably the best thing that come from, um, from that whole experience was, I mean, there was a couple of good things, but that was one of the best things because once I got home, a lot of the other guys kind of fell off the training bandwagon, so to say. And, um, I kind of just kept it going. I haven't really stopped. So that was like, that was like eight years ago. Yeah, and I yeah. haven't, I don't think I've, unless I've been injured, I haven't had a day off. Like, that's sick for the whole time yeah yeah the only times when i'm injured but even when i am injured i still kind of find a way like yeah i went i was doing training flat out at the start of the year with a broken femur i was getting up and just crutching into the gym and, and hooking into it but um but now i like it it's um it's like a it's a hobby for me it's not yeah, like if, yeah. even if i wasn't doing freestyle and whatever i'd still be doing the training because yeah. i actually enjoy it whereas i know a lot of people do it because they have to but um I've just been lucky that I've kind of looked at it like a bit of a hobby. So yeah. I actually enjoy that just as much as the bike sometimes. Like yeah. it's, I reckon it's sick. So yeah, that's, uh, I, I did Dean Lucas's podcast the other day yeah. and then he, he asked me like, what's one thing 
that you'd like do differently through your life and i said i would just train in the gym for the sake of training yeah like my and if i could go back in time and i say it to these boys too i'm like like Rones has got a gym membership now and like he started yeah. going to the gym and, and i was like boys if i could do one thing different yeah. i would go back to when i was 18 19 yeah and i would just start doing doing weights yeah and, and not you know not to get massive not to you just, but just to have it as a like a, a yeah, daily a daily, a daily ritual habit. yeah i mean it's good like obviously you feel you, you feel a bit better um in yourself but it's also good for i mean any kind of sport you're doing like I look at it for like injury prevention as well. Like if you're, if you're kind of built to take a hit, then I feel like, I mean, and it's different in every sport. Like if you're racing motocross or supercross, you don't want to be 90 or a hundred kilos. But, um, but I think, you know, if you can, if you can be sort of strong and, and flexible enough that you can kind of take a hit, I feel like the injury prevention is, it's like, so much higher you know what i mean like you can you can come off pre-season and and still be fine like you can bounce and roll and whatever so that's another thing like when i started sort of aiming towards doing some bigger stuff off some bigger ramps and stuff um like i kind of had to be built to take a little bit of a hit like the airbags uh so good and and you know they allow you to do so much stuff but people don't realize that when you're jumping off like bigger style ramps like you do take a pretty decent hit yeah yeah. so it's kind of that was like another thing i found that if i could kind of put on a bit of muscle um it would allow me to do more of that yeah and then like you kind of just get hooked on that on like you know you feel better you're a bit stronger you can throw the bike around and then it's kind of it was just easy to keep trying to do that and, and try to train a little bit harder for a bit longer or you know lift a bit heavier or whatever so i kind of yeah. almost like a bit competitive with myself in that way like not with others at all but like with yourself you know what i mean yeah. you know what it's like with training like you can't always want to go a little bit harder yeah until you need a rest but <laughs> but um yeah so i'm kind of i'm glad that i started doing all that but it's yeah. cool up here like on the goldie there's so like the big there's, culture of it yeah there's gyms like gyms on every corner of the street and like everyone trains and is pretty pretty into it whereas in melbourne where i you know where i have lived before this it was a bit different there i was sort of on your own kind of yeah doing yeah. solo but i was kind of i was training at like three thirty in the morning so i don't who 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 else would want to come then like, yeah yeah i can't one <laughs> but um but no nah, it's cool up here i've been loving it on the goldie yeah that, i was in i just spent a month in dubai and i wasn't able to do because i sort of the thing that's kind of killed the gym for me a little bit and this is what i tried to push through in dubai is like because i'm doing jiu-jitsu like on the kind of daily like that's like my week sort of training is based around that yeah you're just getting fucking towed up yeah yeah if you're sore and yeah. like you know yeah. your movements like restricted yeah, yeah so i've just never really wanted to go through the pain of yeah like those first few weeks in the gym where everything's just yeah like you crazy feel crazy yeah sore. you feel pretty pretty average yeah. the first few weeks but, but well in like in dubai i just went every day and i just like just hammered just the most basic shit yeah and was just cooking myself because yeah because I, I could be real sore yeah and i noticed like even by the like i was probably six weeks i was away but by the last week in the gym like i could go and just do like a hard session yeah and the pain wasn't it was i wasn't so sore that i couldn't go and do yeah yeah so that's kind of like where i wanted to get to yeah i mean i think it's good to leave the gym with a little bit of there's a difference between being in pain and then having like a bit of a like a good sort of a more of like a muscle soreness and that's kind of what you look for really but i guess that's where if you if you stay on top of your like your 
creatine and protein i know it sounds super basic but it makes it actually does i, I never used to believe in it i was like whatever people just yeah. want you to fucking spend money yeah. but i mean a lot of the stuff is bullshit i, I reckon but the just things, like your basic creatine and protein that's though, like i just like stick solid. to that like every day even when i don't go to the gym even if i'm at home being lazy i still do that like every yeah. day 100 percent because it's just kind of good to keep that in you because no one eats perfect every day whereas if you can have a protein shake and whatever not not as a meal replacement but you're still sort of getting the stuff that you need to to be on top of things so i feel like with the recovery and stuff like the first few weeks if you've had a heap of time off first few weeks going to be shit no matter what you take but if you can stay on top of that sort of stuff i feel like it does help but like you just have to kind of be a little bit consistent. consistent but i mean it's hard you know certain people like yourself you're traveling and you're doing this and that like it is it can be hard it's not yeah it's not necessarily easy like you got other shit going on in life it's not for, for the majority of people that's not the most important thing but yeah but I, I feel like to a to a certain extent though like to bust out 150 push-ups and you know 100 burpees like, yeah, that's yeah. like a pretty fucking good workout yeah, yeah. if you just did. Yeah, that. yeah. So like, whether you, you travel, you can do that in an airport. Yeah, if you just don't care about looking like a dickhead. Yeah, you know, oh, fuck you know it, who I mean? cares? Yeah, yeah. I happily look like a dickhead. So, so yeah, it's like it, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can't. There really isn't an excuse. And yeah, that I'm, I'm kind of trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, there's a level. there's a lot of stuff you can do. Like I remember during the lockdowns in in Victoria, there wasn't really much going on. So I remember going on YouTube and I typed in like the like prison workouts yeah, to yeah. see what like those mad those mad dogs did and um like you can get like a rag or like a dry times towel and have you and your mate and one person can be doing like tricep pull downs and like the other person's you, doing biceps d- yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. like hey, there's so much shit you can do um and then obviously like your like your pull-ups and your push-ups i think i feel like that's they're probably pretty underrated like doing push-ups is yeah. so good for yeah. for everything you know um but it's like, yeah, there's there's heaps of stuff that you can do. That's it's just the, having the like the commitment, yeah, and, and making it, it into a yeah, he's got to have a go at it. That's that's the thing. It's like you don't know unless you have a crack. So yeah, it's easy to talk about it, but you just just have a go at it, and you've only got to do it for a couple of days, and then it's just part of your your routine, I reckon. Yeah, no. Nah, so that's me this year. That's my, one of my yeah goals for this next little Hook bit. In, mate. To, yeah. Hook into it. Did you? How much did, like did you put on much weight over that period? Like, what was your body shape like when you first started in China? Were you well, always kind of bigger nah i was like so when i first started i probably weighed 75 kilos yeah that's what i weigh now and then i um i started training i put on a little bit of weight like i put on a couple kilos straight away just because i hadn't ever really done it like so you're gonna build a couple of kilos straight away but then you'll plateau and that'll be it for a while but then when i went i came back home and then i broke my neck um pretty badly i broke c1 which is, you know, right at the top and C6. So I had like a, a Jefferson fracture, it's called, of C1. I think, I don't know the exact statistics, but I'm pretty sure when you break your C1, there's like a very good chance you should be paralyzed. Um, so I broke that. Someone actually moved a ramp on me at, the, at a show. Um, I'm not going to mention the name, but someone, just a wanker, <laughs> he was a promoter. So we'd already done one show in the morning, which was smooth, everything was good. And then there was like an intermission, like we were like doing some signings and stuff. And then he moved the ramp, like the, the up ramp, which was like a trailer ramp. He moved it to, I believe he was meant to, he was trying to get something through, like he needed to move oh. it to like make space to get something. There was monster trucks and stuff there. Anyhow, and then he forgot to take, like move it back. And then I was the what first. Fucking retard. Yeah, I was the first person. So I, um, and it, 
he moved it so it was at 75 and then it went to 55 and you'd think like how how did you not notice but from where we were sitting we were we were like on the up ramp side like way back here and there was like a one of like a safety airbag you know on the back of the truck and there was some other stuff in between the ramps so from where we were it wasn't noticeable plus you'd never think that that would happen yeah so i um lucky it was just the first jump which for us it was just like a wave to sort of get the crowd involved but um i jumped like 75 feet picture jumping a freestyle ramp to flat like not having anything there so i just went like that it's on youtube actually dude find that <laughs> um, i think type in type wow. in, in jo crash but um yes yeah, so i broke my neck that and, sucks so bad um and then that one there seven years ago Karanbara, 2015 yeah it was a no, good it was a it was a sweet. pretty good one well no it wasn't an airbag Oh. But I get up, so I broke in that right there. I've got a broken neck, a broken ankle. I crushed my thyroid and my throat, and I had a leak in my heart. I don't really know what that means. What? So I had you wouldn't picture it because I'm walking, walking around and that. Baby. But I was like, I was pretty, um, I was pretty cooked. I was, you know, I was in all sorts. But um, so what I and actually, you just know as soon as you hit the ring. Yeah, I was. Like, oh yeah, I was over, in. Yeah. yeah, I was in like a bit of strife just there. But um what i Fuck. so the, the wanker who was running that event wouldn't call an ambo so i actually had some just a random dude from the crowd why wouldn't helped. he call an ambo oh he didn't want it to look bad and he, he just thought i was a goose i think but um someone from the crowd i'm not sure who it was but if you're listening to this cheers my hate <laughs> but he helped me load my bike into my ute and then i just drove to um I drove to, I drove home, which was an hour because I wanted to drop my bike. What? I was going to go to the hospital, obviously, but I dropped, I went home because I wanted to drop my bike off so it wouldn't get stolen. And then wow. someone from home, um, it was a chick I was knocking off at the time. <laughs> she, um, she drove me to the hospital and then uh, I went to Frankston Hospital and then, um, yeah, I sort of just, I think I... I went to walk in, but by that point, the uh, you know adrenaline had kind of worn off, and I think I went to went to step, and I'm like, oh fuck, I'm in a bit of strife. My ankle was all blown up and stuff, so I sort of just got like assisted in, um, and then yeah, like oh they did some scans and stuff, then they sent me to like a bigger hospital. I think it was the Monash Hospital in the in the city yeah, of yeah. Melbourne, and then they're like, yeah, you got a you got a broken neck, like you've you're pretty fucked um and then the other bits and pieces so anyway moral to that story you're asking about my size and stuff so after i broke my neck i was um i was pretty like i kind of faded away to, to not much because i was in a neck brace for like maybe six months or, or seven months wow. or something but i couldn't do anything like i couldn't i like I, I just could lay down i couldn't even have a pillow i just had to lay dead flat yeah um so i wasn't doing much i wasn't really eating i was pretty sick like i wasn't really in a good state so probably, probably like painkillers and stuff like that nah no painkillers nah like i didn't i wasn't necessarily in a whole lot of pain things were just super hard like, like i just couldn't if, do anything i just couldn't do anything and if i did try to do something i was putting myself at too much risk like of you know of really sort of making things worse so i wasn't taking any painkillers or anything i was just like I guess because I wasn't doing anything, I was normally a pretty active sort of person. Then not yeah. doing anything for so long, like yeah. I don't know, body was just going, "What are you doing, mate?" Yeah. So if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. So I was just like, after that, man, I probably weighed like, I don't know, you wouldn't recognize me. I'll have to send you a photo. I got a photo of me in hospital when I left, and I was like probably skin and bone. I was probably like sixty something kilos, and then 
um, now I weighed myself this morning at the gym. I was ninety seven kilos, so it's like two hundred and thirteen pounds, I think. But I was like, like I was, yeah, good thirty kilos less, I think. But that was Dude. well, what's that? Two thousand fifteen. So um, yeah, I mean, I've been obviously having a, having a go sort of since then, but um, but yeah, that was a that was a pretty pretty so average what, one. So what do you reckon? Like broke your neck like what part of that crash i think it was just the when you hit the handlebars i think with it was head, I, or, I honestly think or it like was, compression i think it was just the impact of the landing yeah um i think yeah i think that's all it was it was just a, like that you know and then I, my my neck sort of went down and what i so hitting the handlebars that crushed my throat yeah um so that was like so i couldn't really i was struggling to breathe a lot um and it's actually still now like that's the one of the that's probably the only thing that's really affected me my neck's fine now i haven't got the same kind of range of movement but that doesn't for me that doesn't bother me at all yeah um but the only thing that i still kind of see from that that still kind of affects me is the throat like i um i breathe real like people think well what are you doing mate i breathe that heavily yeah especially when i'm asleep like i sometimes like my missus will wake me up she's like are you are you alive like what are you doing so that's the only thing that really kind of uh, still gets me there but I think it was just the, the impact of douche you know like it, yeah, yeah. I think the bike um, you know the bike handled it pretty well as far as the suspension and what the bike could do and then um, but it was funny the bike had no damage it was not even a broken lever it was sweet <laughs> that is wild <laughs> yeah. dude so it's, it's it always goes one or two ways sometimes you have a, like a massive crash <laughs> and like the bike's totally fine and you're fully busted up or oh. other times you like have you tip over in a rut and you got like muffler subframe everything yeah, the bike's yeah, stuck yeah it costs yeah. you like three grand to fix it yeah, you have yeah, a scratch yeah. on you yeah so but you know like these days well any days i guess but i'd certainly rather the three grand than a than a busted up neck, and a, and a neck yeah because yeah. it was just it was so crap it was funny like when i got the neck brace off I um I felt like you know those little bubble heads that people yes. have on their dash. Yeah. So when they took it off, I couldn't like I literally I couldn't hold my head up at the start. Like I'd go like this and I'd go, eh? and I was actually pretty. To be honest, I was pretty embarrassed like to go out in in at, when I had the neck brace. I didn't care. I was still doing whatever. People would look at you and stuff, but I like it didn't really didn't bother me. But when I took the brace off, I was actually a bit like I looked a bit weird because my neck was so skinny. It was like really like it looked weird, man, and because I'd had my neck like my head like that for like seven months, so it looked like my neck was really long, yeah, and it was super skinny, yeah. and I was like, "Fuck, what's going on here?" I was like, "How do you make your neck better? Like, how do you make it bigger?" <laughs> but then, I mean, it didn't. It took a little bit of time, but that that became like. Did you the, do neck exercises? Oh, the physio had me doing like just some basic this sort of stuff, but I think just getting back to normal life like it was i was like it just that kind of just fixed itself yeah but um yeah the only thing the only problem i really have now is just the range of movement and like i got it i've got to use like a special pillow on that because otherwise i get my neck site just no good dude i've honestly stopped using pillows really i just you know what i do now i roll up a towel dry times and i just put it yeah i just put a towel behind my behind my neck yeah because i i actually um i've got heaps of problems with my neck just nothing to your extent but sitting at a fucking desk for like yeah. 10, 10 years bro just like yeah shit's bad for you yeah honestly yep. so bad and like all my psoas yep. muscle yeah lower my, back and stuff oh yeah. bro so like the last there's probably like two years 
it was pretty much through COVID yep. where like, dude, literally all I did was a podcast. Yeah. Like I was either yeah, recording hard. or I was sitting there and yeah. I was editing them. It's before the boys were like working here. Yeah. So and, you're a um, one man band going mad. Until then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I fucked myself. Like my, yeah. my chest got so tight, my, yeah. my lower back, my psoas, my neck. Yeah. And then going to jujitsu. So yeah. I'd be like, like literally stationary all day. Yeah. And then go to jujitsu and just get belted like fucking yeah, yeah. gets cranked and you're all in like yeah. getting in the tied up in a knot basically yeah so i just had like two extreme ends of the spectrum yeah yeah and then late yeah lately so i got um it's called a it's called a griff i think it's called a gss harness if you want to look look it up i use this silly thing that looks like a it's a pillow but it looks like a brick yeah and it's like super uncomfortable to start off with. It's just dead flat and it's as hard as a rock. Yeah, right. And it's like, it's from like a car. I got it from a chiropractor. Yeah. Um, but like at the start, I was like, I can't use this thing. I was like, this is crap. But then now, is that you, the little dog? Yeah. <laughs> go, go like neck, uh, GS neck trainer or something like that. But, um, but yeah, now like I, I run it like. So you rate t- it? Yeah. I, I can't Easy like, to travel with and shit? Um, I mean, it's just like an, it's a full size pillow, so you yeah, can, okay. but like when I, oh, oh, I don't, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is looking, <laughs> this is looking a little bit, there you going. I don't know where. It's cool though. if you use that in your spare time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's got these, uh, it's, I can't find the exact one, but, um, it's got the, these like rub, these like bands on it yep. and you can just take it anywhere. It's in like a little bag, put it in a doorway yep. and then you can just literally put it like dude you can do every oh, side yeah. do all the stuff and it's yeah. got all different like resistance and yeah then, but dude it's like actually helped a yeah, lot yeah right man. and i reckon for like riding and stuff because you you got your helmet and yeah there's, like, extra weight like yeah, everything's yeah. getting thrown around yeah like it's, I, it's what all the like the formula one drivers and all yeah. anyone that does anything like that they're always doing they're that doing that training. sort of shit yeah but yeah it's actually like helped me out quite a lot yeah Between that's interesting that and, I, I reckon like a lot of um like a lot of UFC guys and stuff would probably use yeah, that too because yeah, I yeah. see I see those kind of guys do a bit of like neck sort of training like yeah. neck strength yeah um, obviously if you get punched in the head for a living you've got to have a pretty tough chin and a tough neck so yeah, yeah. I can only imagine that they would do that kind of stuff but um, but yeah like I, I did buy a neck brace for a little bit after I when I came back yeah. to riding um, I had an Atlas neck brace which yeah. was good it was it was great but I kind of found it was a little bit restricting with freestyle. Yeah, like, but I thought it was it was good for riding tracks and stuff. But I kind of found that, well, for me personally, when I would like pull to do a flip, I think it was a, the the one in particular was like caught over flips, and I, you'd pull back, and I I kind of felt like I just always felt like it was there, and it was a bit too much. Yeah. Like it was kind of so. Then I stopped using that, and then just I felt kind of better straight away. But I think to go like from a broken neck back to riding, I think it was a like a fantastic like stepping stone because yeah, just when i had it on i felt like kind of pretty solid with it on and then I, I ran it for maybe i don't know six months or something and i think it was a good stepping stone to then getting back to to not having one yeah um but i've definitely like since i've put my neck to the test with like with all the different airbag stuff and like i've done done some like land up fully upside down and stuff and i haven't had any dramas so yeah. but i think um you know, I think that kind of goes back to training and, and building up your muscles around, like your traps yeah. and stuff around your neck. I feel like if you can kind of be pretty solid there, that's where I say like the injury prevention, like that yeah. kind of, you can kind of sort yourself out a little bit in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you did break your neck, like did they give you any like, dude, you're fucking 
this could have been like oh, super super bad yeah like, so when i was so when i was driving my car to the that's so hectic yeah it was it was crazy because i was i was just on my own obviously um my old man so i was it was in victoria i was in currumburra which is near phillip island if mm, you know that mm. you know where that is um so i jumped in my ute and i called my old man who was in sydney to where he lives and um i'm like man i'm fucking i'm not feeling too too good i have had a crash and he's like oh what what it like what's wrong and i and i just was like fuck man i don't know like i don't I don't feel very good. Like something's, something's wrong. Something's not right. I didn't think I had a broken neck, but I'm like something's like fuck. I didn't feel good, you know. And um, so they were, but basically they said like when I was driving, if I had got to like an intersection or a roundabout, and literally just the motion of turning my head like that, I would have been hundred percent would have been paralyzed. So I was sort of I was when I was driving, I was just like I didn't I, I didn't feel like I could have moved like I could have moved if I wanted to, but yeah, I just, but when you're in that injury, yeah, mode, like you I was don't just sitting, I was just yeah, sitting yeah. there. I probably would have rather get t-boned by a car than than like look sideways, but um, but like Bronte Holland, for instance, he he broke his C1 and C6, oh. so the exact same two vertebrae. So and um, you know, and he was he was paralyzed, you know, straight away. So it's definitely um, yeah, it's definitely like super lucky that. I, you know, that I was, that I was fine basically. But, um, I guess I probably didn't know the, the severity of, of how, well, how serious it was. I mean, I was, I was young and, and everything. And cause I, you know, loaded the bike up and drove there. I can't, I you didn't really, right. I was a little bit blown away when they said broken neck. Like I wasn't, um, obviously I wasn't stoked, but I wasn't like fucking game over. Like I was just like, all right, well, what are we, what's the process to fixing it? Or how, like, what do I do? And, I was actually one thing I was stoked about was they were gonna do the the halo. Have you seen a halo yeah, where they yeah, screw it in? Yeah, yeah. And that was like a hundred percent. They were gonna put put the halo on and like it's a pain because you got to go back to the hospital like every week and they re tension it, like tighten up the bolts in your in your skull. And I'm like fuck. And then like trying to sleep and shit with one of them. I'm like fuck. And I really I was pretty disappointed. That's the only thing I was really like, damn. I don't want to. It's pretty I gnarly. And then it was all like a hundred percent. We were gonna go and do it. And then this nurse came in i guess she was like one of the head nurses that was looking after me and um yeah they just ended up going with the brace i think it was because of my my age and stuff being younger they they thought that the neck brace would have been okay so i had i remember the name of it it was called a miami j neck brace and i remember i I was running the miami j for a while there and i um when i took it off when I finally got it off, I took an aim and burnt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You> see, mate, <laughs> you're done. You, you are done, mate. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty average. But um, but yeah, you still, yeah, live to tell a tale. I feel sweet now. <laughs> Is that promoter still doing shows? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fuck that. Camera. I just got out of a. Oh, mate, I just got out of a like a five year legal battle with him. Um, I was trying to. Like I, you know, I started prompted the the legal battle because, um, you know, like the negligence involved and you know like pain and suffering, yeah, all that sort yeah. of stuff. And because not only that, but he talked a lot of shit about me. He said that I didn't, even though clearly there's a video. He said that I didn't do it at his event. He he didn't even know my name. He was calling me Jayco, <laughs> and he was saying, well, he was saying I was from Ballarat or yeah, some Jayco from Ballarat. He um. He made up a story that I went to, and this place doesn't exist, the Cranbourne Nightclub, which I, I actually used to live in Cranbourne, Cranbourne South. There's no there's no nightclub in Cranbourne. It never has been. And he said that I'd broke, I was, 
like on the cans and I'd broken my neck. And he and he, he was putting out like he did a press report saying this press release thing, but still to this day he never once contacted me. He knows deep down it was his fault, but he never once contacted me to say I hope you're alright or are you all good. And then he sort of started carrying on a bit, and I'm like fuck this dude. And um, yeah. Anyway, I was like the the lawyers that I had were doing like they're doing a good job. I you know I think they did a fantastic job, and um, it was looking you know super positive. I had. A bunch of key witnesses like friends that were well friend people i'm friends with now but i wasn't at the time but they were actually there yeah, yeah. um and there was a couple of different people just random people in the crowd and like it was so i had pages and pages and pages full of like screenshots of people saying we saw him move it blah 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 um but then yeah i ended up like losing the the oh, thing really yeah yeah so i got i was like got nothing because i couldn't make any money for ages um yeah. and i basically had to have like a carer like I had to, my nan had to move down because my I was living with my mum and she was working, so I had I had to have someone like make me some toast and that, you know. I was yeah, like, no yeah. good, but um, but yeah, now that now that dude's trying to he he's hit me up to pay for all of his legal fees and that over the five years, and I just said fucking, yeah, bad luck. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. epic. So what what grounds did you lose? Uh, I don't know, man. It was just a fuck. Just the judge was just a, I don't know, no good. Like I was, there was like. I, I don't actually understand how I could have like it was even once the once the court like it, you know we we did the court over Zoom because it was during COVID yeah and um I think it went for like a week or something and even afterwards I was like like that probably couldn't have gone any better like it was you know that everything went really good as far as the witnesses that I had the witnesses that he had they all had a different story of the events like they didn't know what time anything happened or what day it was or they were saying that I was riding a quad bike at one point and all like there was, they just didn't know what was going on because they were just, just making things up. So I was like, you know, this is obviously looking really good. And then it was, I think it was like, I don't know, a couple, maybe three, four weeks later, we got the, like the, the um, final decision. Yeah. And yeah, just lost it. Bad luck. Better luck next time. I was like, but you know what? I'm glad, like, I'm glad it's over and done with, but I'm like, yeah. it would have been good to, Cause like I spent um oh, I spent a silly amount of money on um f- like recovery sort of stuff. Physio- yeah, I had to do yeah. f- I had to do physios like three times a week for like a year. Like yeah, I think because I was like whatever money I did have at the time, I spent it all like yeah. all every you know on on all the all the stuff. So I, I probably didn't have much cash at the time, but I definitely had nothing. Quite, you know yeah, I think so, I it all. but um but like I was. I ended up, I went back to work. Like I was working with a neck brace and that towards the end um, when I could. I was just doing like doing suspension, yeah. measuring shims and <laughs> throwing some settings in. But um, but yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a shit go. But well, it sort of just life. sucks that that dude can still do. Now we need to take that down, Griff. It's creepy. <laughs> that, that guy's creepy. Yeah, me he's out. fucking. I hate the fact that he's it's looking really at it. creepy. Well, me out, you know what though? It's just a bummer that that guy can still do shows. Well, you know, you know? what's even worse. That that video there, that's that's my incident. But there is a hell of a lot of things. If you Google this dude's name, he's been in many, many, many court battles with things that he's done that were completely unsafe. And the the re the reason that I wanted to go to court, it wasn't to fill my pockets with money. I would have liked to have potentially made back some of the money that I spent as a nineteen year old kid because I didn't have anything. But it was my whole drive in that was to to shut him down and it was only because when that accident happened i had like 
I reckon I had no no joke. Probably four other riders in Australia reach out to me and say, "No way! Like he did this to me. He actually moved a ramp on another rider who I, I won't. I don't want to mention names, yeah, but yeah. another rider that you know. I can tell you afterwards. Yeah, that rider I think was knocked out and broke his wrist or something. And this is a, a dude that's like a, he's a good rider. Yeah. Um. So this has happened a lot of times, and it was more so the fact that he has no, um no sort of care for the rider or the rider safety so that was what was driving me between that and then him sort of making up some shit about me i was like like fuck it you shouldn't you know you shouldn't be able to do this because i could have pretty easily been paralyzed and i don't you know what i don't even think he paid he didn't even give me my money for the the event so fuck you yeah yeah that's fine and um and he was actually because that was like a just a close show to home like a little country town thing he was calling me like he'd called me a few times in the week leading up like really want me to go and do it and i was not, not that i had heaps of things going on but it was like oh yeah i'd love to come and like give you a hand and, and be at a local show like i was you know like i was, felt like i was trying to it was good for me but i was also doing him a favor yeah, because yeah. another rider was meant to do it and they pulled out so he really needed someone to fill the spot so i felt like in a way i, I was kind of doing a favor for him as well but um but yeah, fuck, it's just, it's just, it's, that's life. It's like, it doesn't really, fuck, doesn't bother me at the moment. Like it's, yeah, it's just who, a bummer. You can keep, keep doing it. Yeah. But you know what? It'll catch up with him one day. Don't yeah, you worry. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you can't, yeah, every dog has their day. You can't really get around like that forever because shit catches up with people and yeah. it might not be in a year or two years or five years, but there'll be one day old mate will get caught up with, yeah. but, um, won't have anything to do with me. For like. <laughs> that's, just, that's just karma. That's yeah, how karma yeah, works. Yeah. That's it. And so, uh, when you, yeah, you so see, you, you get back on like the rehab thing, like yep. you got straight back into, into the weights and then it sort of like, yeah, so built, it took, it, back up it took me a while. Like I was pretty kind of weak at the start and I couldn't really do much. Like I could, I'd go to the gym and then I could maybe go like twice a week, maybe, and just do a little bit. And it was just like anything with, with your training, it's like consistency. Like you kind of, you know, if you go to the gym every day for six months, you're not going to notice much, but if you go you know well, six days a week for five years you start to notice it so it was literally it, was, it just took took a lot of time but as i said that was 2015 and you know we're at the end of 22 now so it's it's just been consistently going and having a crack since then yeah so it sort of just took me a little bit i was a little bit nervous um yeah you would be i reckon just with with the riding not not nervous not like i not nervous as if like oh, i don't know if i want to keep riding like that was the just only fucking your body that was the only thing i wanted to do but what i was a bit nervous about was when i like when i landed off the ramp like off like jumping 75 when i was landing i was a bit worried about that that mm. initial sort of impact because i you can't really replicate that yeah you know, like I, I don't even i think i might have gone and rode motocross a few times or something and then i went and rode with cam sinclair and like I was still, I went and like flipped my first ride and everything was still good, but I was a little bit probably nervous about that. But then once I did that, it was all right. It was just kind of like a little bit of rebuilding almost, like getting old tricks back and kind of, I guess the biggest thing is just your, your self, your confidence. Just confidence. Yeah. And um, like you never forget how to ride a dirt bike, luckily, but it's more so about just trying to build your confidence back. But it's the same as any injury, like, you know, any every person that listens to this podcast would have had a yeah, a mishap or a um you know some sort of injury and it doesn't matter how severe it is you still have to go through that process of getting your confidence back and and feeling good on your bike so it's not like you know i have respect for anyone who's had any injury even a broken wrist because you still have to go through that same kind of mental game to to get back to you know doing the thing that you love so 
Um, but yeah, I just tried to stay as consistent as I could with yeah, yeah with that kind of stuff, and then it yeah you know, just comes back naturally because, as I said, luckily once you have the fundamentals of like knowing how to ride a dirt bike yeah, that, that we learn when we're young yeah. yeah it's cool because you know they you generally you don't forget how to do things like you kind of it comes back straight away which is yeah the beauty of it i guess yeah what what's your um i just to keep chatting a bit because i feel like it's your it's like a big part of your program is like the physical sort of side of yep. it but what what's your what is your like philosophy when it comes to like the gym and working out and stuff like what style of training are you doing what kind of like what do you yeah. think benefits you for riding the most like because you'll hear a lot of people like oh you shouldn't lift weights because you get too big then you get arm pump i feel like yeah. a lot of that's like old kinda. yeah i mean look i would probably agree with that for people that are racing like you don't want to be especially if you're on a 250 you don't want to be heavy like yeah. you like a kilo is like a horsepower you know so yeah. you, you don't want to be and, and the arm pump side of things but Look, for me, like I grew up racing motocross, obviously, so I've got a good background in motocross, but um, with the sort of riding that I do, um, I don't, I'm, you know, luckily I don't need to worry about having arm pump and stuff. It's just not really something I have to deal with. So um, my kind of philosophy with training is like, I generally like to try to, whatever program I'm doing, I like to kind of mix it up every three months so you, your mind and your body doesn't get too used to it. So yeah. you can... I feel like if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, it's like your your brain already knows what you're going to do as you pull before you even pull up to the gym. You know what I mean? If you keep it, you can go a bit stale. So sometimes I'll do like a push pull legs, so like push movements one day, pull movements the next day, then legs, and repeat that twice a week. Oh yeah, um, which is a good that's a good thing to do. It's good to build strength like that. I think um, so. You're sort of targeting so like your push movements, like a bench press, um, and then like a um, like your back sort of stuff and everything like that but then i feel like with well what at the moment what i'm doing is like a body part per day so yeah. I like to arms one day shoulders legs blah 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 and i guess my philosophy is i just try to i like to do i don't i don't really like to count reps too much like i, I would never want to do anything less than sort of eight but i try to just go till failure with most things until you you're fucked you can't do anymore yeah. because if you it's all well and good to do 10 reps or something, but if you're if you're leaving like, you just still got a heap in the tank, like you could have done 20. Yeah. So like, what's the point in that? Whereas if you just, if you if you can do 20 reps and fuck, put, put the weights a bit heavier, you know what I mean? And if you can try to get anywhere around 10 to 12 or whatever, but I just try to do it as many times as I can until I can't do any more, yeah. until I'm about to drop the, drop the bar on myself. So I, I just try to... You just go just have a go like just like just have a crack at it go hard go go heavy and um and i'm not saying this this definitely wouldn't work for, for everyone for other other kind of riding you know whether it might be bmx or mountain bike or, or motocross racing but for what i do personally that's the that's the kind of training that i like to do um and you know other freestyle riders it might not work for but for me i just like to I just feel like it's just good to be be strong on the bike, and you feel like you can throw it around, and um, and then you know when you are trying to learn new tricks and and doing bigger ramps and stuff, you can you can take a hit in the airbag or landing or whatever you're on. So that kind of works for me. So like I don't, I'm definitely not a not an expert at all. Yeah. I've just taught myself from just going and you know YouTube and things and Google and things. But um, yeah, I just try to. I just try to Google things and change it up every few months. But as long as you're sort of hitting the the main uh, the main kind of exercises on each workout, like the the big sort of 
the big like the deadlifts and yeah, the squats, deadlifts, all squats, that. bench pull ups, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and just do it, fuck, just do it fucking heavy, yeah. and and stop when you can't do any more. Yeah. And then it's pretty simple. Like yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pre- pretty simple sort of fella. Like, I don't know, I don't know much about much, but if you're gonna go to the gym, well, you're gonna have a fucking good go at it. Otherwise, why would you go? You might as well stay at home. Yeah. So go there, and doesn't matter if you're sweating and fucking groaning and carrying on. Who cares? You're going there to have a crack at it. And if anyone looks at you, tell them to fuck off because you're going there to have a go. That's why you do your training. You go there to to train, you know, and and have a crack at it. So that's kind of the way that I like to do it. Um, You know, again, it doesn't work for everyone, but that's that's just what I like doing and that's kind of um, what's... Yeah, what I just Yeah, just what I enjoy doing as well. It's, It's also about enjoying it because you don't want it to be like a something that you you know oh fuck, i gotta go to the gym like which it is for a lot of people but i feel like if you can make it sort of fun yeah in a way or or be a little bit creative or be kind of competitive with yourself and think oh last tuesday i did this exercise and i did you know x amount of reps at this weight or whatever if you count all your reps and stuff you just try to do one more and if you do one more that's where you kind of yeah, get a little bit of motivation yeah. yeah but um i definitely like to train alone because i kind of like to um I like to not really fuck around in between sets. I always like to try to do something, yeah. and kind of because really you only need to spend like forty five minutes. That's there. what I've. That's what yeah. I found when I was doing it. Yeah, you don't need to sp- like you. You can spend an hour, but you don't have to. You can you just can, do something else in in the gap. Yeah, in the interim, sets. do push ups yeah, or do yeah. something else. But I think and then um, you're fucked in forty minutes. Yeah, and that's good. I think like yeah, 40, 45 minutes. I think that's perfect. You can one hundred percent get everything done in that amount of time if you're not. You know, checking Breaking your phone, in between and, sets yeah, and, going on Instagram yeah, yeah. and looking at who's doing what and all that. Like you do that after. So if you just go there and hook in, then you kind of you reap the benefits, and you haven't spent, you know, wasted two hours of your day there. And then that's where it, that's where it can become a bit of a pain in the ass. It's like oh, I got to go training, or oh, there goes two hours. And then yeah, people yeah. people make excuses like oh, I can't find time for it. But you can go, you can even do a good thirty minute one if you you know what I mean. Yeah, so. Yeah. I think it's um, but again, it's just about you know figure out what works for you. Yeah, and then do you have any other stuff that in your life, I guess, p- personal performance wise, that's just non-negotiable? Like, is it a certain amount of sleep? A certain like, is there any things that you do that? No, nah, not like, really. I'm not good at sleeping. Hey, like I, yeah, really? I've got ADHD. Yeah. Um, so like I, I find it pretty hard to sign off. Um, so like some nights like. Not like last night wasn't too bad, but the night before I went to I normally go to bed at eight thirty. Like that's that's what I like to do because I get up early, get yeah. up at like three thirty or four a.m. But yeah, two nights ago I was like I don't know what was yeah like I was not like I'm not stressing out or anything like it's all happy days. But I was like you just, just could yeah. And I remember I do a bit of sleep eating too. I get up during the night and go and make some toast and do <laughs> carry yeah, on. Right. I, I normally get like three times in the night and have food two or three times every night. But it was like I looked at the clock. It was three thirty a.m. and I hadn't slept yet. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And I was like, but I still got up at I got up at six and still went and did my training and stuff. So I had like three hours sleep. But normally, if I as long as I have sort of five or six hours i'm pretty good like obviously it's way better to get more but i can i'm pretty good off five or six hours so um but like you know if it's coming up to like a a competition or a show or something i, I just try to make sure i get more than that but I, I don't really as i said i'm pretty cruisy i'm pretty basic i just i can go to sleep if you're tired we'll have a black rifle <laughs> have a bit of caffeine you'll be right mate go get, to bed early the next night get it up yeah yeah get so, one in you so uh so 
you played footy as a kid. Yeah. And then when did motocross, motorsports, yep. freestyle, like when did that kind yeah, of enter, so enter I, the building? I grew up in uh, in Sydney, like around the Cronulla area, Sutherland Shire. And then um, my old man bought me a QR50 for my fourth birthday. So I started sort of cruising around on that. And then um, I started racing when I was six, which I think was the youngest you could race a 50. Um so I started racing uh, around places like Oakdale, Nara, yep, Appen. Yeah. Um, so I sort of. What was your old boy's background in the sport? Um, uh, not much. He's just like just, a just play. Like yeah, he's a, like a he was a gun footy player. Um, but he had a bike. But he was just a just a chiller. Like he was, you know, he did a bit of bit of racing, but like he wasn't like you know no one good. Yeah. He just did, you know. He just, just loved it. Yeah, he just loved it. So I started doing that and, um, you know, Dylan Wills. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So me and him, we're like, so our dads are best mates. No, they went, oh, no shit. So they went to like primary school and high school together. No so shit. So me and Wills are born a week apart. So we've got... Right. we got photos of us literally Shout as... Yeah, to Wills. Yeah, yeah. I love that, dude. So we, we grew up riding a lot. So we used to go and ride out at... There's like a tip out in Menai, like a rubbish tip. And we used to go and ride out there and we'd just set up like witches hats and just do like figure of eights and try to get some tech, like basic sort of technique. And then... We both started doing like a bit of coaching with Greg Moss when we were young, but yep. um, yeah, started racing when I was six, and then like, I raced every Aussie title and all that sort of stuff. And um, it's funny, I've actually like got photos of me and um, Jackson Richardson and Hayden Morris on no the shit. on the podium at the Aussie titles. So you were that good at racing? I was, I was all right. I was good, good enough. But like, um, I never knew that. That's sick. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to pull them up later. I've got um, I got some cool photos. But then when I was seven, um, I moved down to my parents split up. I moved to Victoria just because my mum got offered a job there, and we sort of yeah we just ran with it. Went down there, and um, Matt Moss or the Moss family was at the time a good family friends. Um, they that their old man also went to high school with my mum and dad, um, and at the time Matt was like so I was seven I think he was maybe 14 and yeah, the, yeah. he came down with us because he just got a ride with Yuri Konski so he was on a CR85 yeah so he we we moved down to Victoria and he was kind of going to be around the team and they were doing like I think it was Supercross Masters or something back then and so anyway he came down and um he he come home from the track one day and um he said to my mum Tracy he's like oh can oh, can my mate come and stay with us for a bit? And my mum's like, oh, you know, okay, like whatever. Yeah. And then this dude rocks up in a white high ace. It was Cam Sinclair. And this is before he was like Cam Sinclair. He was a, just yeah. a young dude. He might have been like 17 or 16, 17. I don't know, something like that. But um, yeah, so he was going to come stay for a couple of weeks. And then he ended up living with us for like three years. So, no shit. yeah. So that's kind of... um. So that just changed your direction completely. Yeah. So like I always looked up to Cam, you know, I still do. Like he's been a massive part of my um, freestyle riding or career, you know, if you could call it. But, um, you know, it was it was cool growing up. Like I was I was pretty lucky in, in a lot of ways because like we'd – it'd be common to for me to come home from school and we'd have like Jono Porter would be there. Maddo used to come and stay. Like Jono actually had his JPI race truck parked at our we had lived in a cul-de-sac he had that there for like a month and Jono actually prepped my first um bike for the Aussie titles KDM 50 no shit and um heaps of people sorely like a lot of guys would would come and stay and ride because back then 
Victoria seemed to be the place for freestyle. Yeah, like, yeah That's where yeah. like Sinks and Bill Co learned to flip, yeah. and that was kind of the spot. Whereas now it's obviously the Gold Coast is kind of the the hub. You know, it's kind of like the Temecula of of Australia. But back then it was Vic, so people would would often come and and ride, and there was obviously there was like a foam pit and stuff there, so people would come and ride, and then they just like stay with us and and go from there. So that was kind of um you know what got me interested in freestyle i didn't really know much about freestyle before that i was just grew up loving racing you know and i guess freestyle was very very new like it wasn't in there wasn't even much going on in australia and then um i remember yeah, it was funny like cam and bilko were always around and um i actually took cam and bilko to school for show and tell in primary because <laughs> i thought they were mad dogs which they are but um i remember like that is so good yeah cam would when he was he was living with us and he was like learning you know wanted to learn the flip and i think this was before the phone bit but they had um they just had like a super kicker out in a paddock in i think it was in turidan um anyway and they had a just had a super kicker with some hay bales and shit on it and um it was like every day he's like all right today's the day i'm doing it i'm doing it you know i'd like get home in the arvo get home from school and he's just like oh, i didn't do it and then the next day i'm gonna do it i'm doing it and then he, he finally did it he flipped like the super kicker him and bilko both did it um on the same day i think and he must have been i don't know he was young man but i remember he got his first contract for crusty demons he was probably i don't know i'm just guessing maybe 18 or something but i remember he was stoked. I remember in the kitchen at home and he was like, fuck, Crusty Demon's like, you know, it was what everything he wanted to do. And he signed the contract to flip 75, like every show. And I don't even, he hadn't even flipped 75. And he's just like, bang, sign on the dotted line, let's go. But um, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then I, but at that point I was still like more interested in racing. Um, and then I used to go riding with him and there was like a little motocross track where, where his ramps and stuff were yeah, back then. yeah. And then I started just like jumping ramps and stuff and I did find it really fun straight away. And then I did my first flip on a 250F when I was 14 off just like off a super kicker. And then... Was that in foam pit? No, nah, like to... The, oh, and no, I started like I was flipping like... I flipped my 80... I flipped 75 into a foam pit on my 85 when I was like really? 12 or something. They've got videos of it. But um, no, nah, I did my first flip to dirt on a 250F when I was 14, but that was off a super kicker. And then I did my first 75 foot flip when I was 15 in like three days. Like I wanted to do it before I was 15, but it just didn't work out. But I think at the time, I think that was a record for the, I don't know if it is now, it's probably other people that have done it younger, but, but yeah, it was 75. I was 15 on a YZ250F. Like, and the thing just had a carby. It was just like no good. <laughs> it's the old bog out. But then at that point though, I was still racing. Like it was just a normal motocross bike. Like I didn't really, I wasn't really doing any sort of freestyle, but then, I, I guess once I started, I'd, every time I'd go out and ride on the track, I'd try to do like five flips or, you know, and or five or ten or whatever. And then I sort of just, I started just enjoying that more and, and obviously looking up to those guys so much. Like they were almost like family to me. So yeah. watching them sort of, um, you know, learning new things and succeeding, it just was... Um, it was kind of like a lot like motivating in that. Sense. Yeah. And then I kind of, and then I, but I did actually start to enjoy that kind of stuff more than racing. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like I was never sort of pushed into doing it or like, you know, led into it. It was just like, nah, I, I kind of into this sort of shit. So then I just kind of started from there. And then when I was 16, I started, um, touring with Nitro Circus, but I, I was just the, 
I was just the plant in the crowd. We used to do like the three and four person backflip. Yeah, right. So right, I was right. one of those, one of those crowd members. But um, but that was cool because I was like sixteen and you know we got to go all through europe and america and dubai and i had a fake id so i was drinking beers and that and going yeah. mad um and, but yeah that was pretty cool and then um i guess from there it was just a bit of progression and you know and then i started taking it a lot more serious uh, and trying to kind of do bigger and better things just for myself you know and then um yeah and then to, i guess to fast forward a few years i started doing like trying to like working on double flips and stuff because at the time it was it was so sick like i'd kind of get home from school and me and cam would go riding and he'd be training for x games and i'd be operating the crane like pulling him out of the foam pit and he'd be like rain hail or shine he'd be just doing doubles and doubles and doubles and i was just like fuck that's just so like it is just so awesome and then i was like doing double flips on mini bikes and stuff like on 110s when i was like 14 or 15 or something because i just wanted to follow in his footsteps and then i think i did i did a double flip on his 252 stroke um when i was 17 i think just into the foam pit and then i really started i was like this is like so sick so i started kind of i guess it was at that point there i I, obviously i love doing normal 75 foot freestyle but i i always had this um not not like a goal but maybe a bit of a bit of a dream to kind of do i just really liked doing that that was that was kind of the way that cam's career went towards the end like cam was a great freestyle rider but he was he was known for doing double flips and doing you know cool things like that so i guess it was kind of just a natural sort of thing that i i wanted to try to do a bit more of that kind of stuff so because there's a different mentality right to being like a big best trick style guy versus being like the freestyle competitor yeah i mean yes and no i guess like it's it's super hard to be able to put a run yeah, together yeah. like it's uh, it's harder in my opinion to be able to put together a run with all the biggest tricks like i think it's harder to do that but um i don't know i just kind of liked the idea of i, I just got a really good thrill out of like the planning you know to do something like you know the planning and the preparation and how to do it and then trying to figure out how to tackle it and and kind of going from there and then it was kind of just like a natural reaction, really. I did my first double flip to dirt at the Ozex Open in two thousand. Yeah, that so sick. that was cool. And then um, I was actually on a borrowed bike. My um, it was one of Todd Toddy. I didn't know Todd Waters at the time, but it was one of his old DPH. It yeah, was a hut. Right. I rode a, I rode a KTM, but my KTM was stuck overseas. I couldn't get it back, which and I still never got it back. It's still stuck in America. What? Yeah, but um, where about? It's at Travis's house. Oh, okay. It's so you know where it is. It's mouldy and it's like yeah, it's put it up on the wall maybe one day. But um, I was funny because I I borrowed. Yeah, it was a DPH. It was a practice bike. It was a Husky. It had like 150 hours. And I remember the clutch. Easy hours though. Yeah, I remember in pra- I went to do practice and the um, like the slave cylinder hydraulic clutch went, so I had no clutch. And then I had no, we fixed that, then I had no front brake. And then I'm like, fuck it, then my first double flip here. I'm like, all sorts of shit. But then it was, it was cool, landed it sweet, and that was an awesome time. And then um, it wasn't long after that, me and Cam were down in the Mornington Peninsula having, having a beer. I think it was his birthday or something and we were just like just a bit of general chit chat and he's like hey because i was getting doubles around fairly easily like i could i could easily over rotate them if i wanted into a foam pit and then i started like doing a double and i was able to break like tap the brake and kind of brake check it in 
and yeah we were just carrying on bullshit and he's like oh you should try a triple and i was like yeah like yeah. And, I, no and, then, and then that was kind of it and then the next day i called him i'm like are you, you serious are you reckon and he goes yeah fuck why not and i was like fuck it all right well, let's yeah and this was yeah this was just in 2019 so um so sheeny had already done it right on the yeah, yeah actually no maybe this was in 2000 no i think no you know what this was in 2018 yeah. because that's the reason my bike was in america because i'd actually uh, just been at yeah, yeah. land um for my first go at trying to do a triple that was before the ozx open so that's the reason i had no bike because my bike was stuck there so i guess this is in 2018 so i remember i had a um i just drew a, a ramp on a piece of paper with the rough sort of dimensions and then my good friend um and and sponsor josh josh glenn from freeform action sports he he built this ramp for me him and his crew and um yeah, we just set this thing. It was just like a bit bigger than a super kicker, basically. And, you know, now looking back on it, it was certainly not the right ramp. But, like, I didn't know. I had no idea. But yeah. um, I just set the thing up into the foam pit at Sinclair's and I was just having a good old tug on it. And then I was – it was good, though. Like, my first ever time on a ramp that's – even now, if I tried it, I probably wouldn't get much further, you know. But I was sort of getting, like, two and a half – ish you know it was a good two and a half which equals landing on your head basically yeah but it was like a good way to get my feet wet with you know and like as i said the ramp it was nowhere near big enough like no way like it was not even not like a moon booter like it was nowhere near yeah really no nah, no nah, it was a tiny bit bigger than a super kicker but we were just like fuck i didn't i didn't know what i was doing i just wanted to have a go at it and then i kind of was you know that was sort of all i thought about was like ways to do it but i didn't have any sponsors or or anyone no money or funding to to kind of help out yeah so what are you doing at this point like you've been you're going to travis's you're doing that whole deal you're you're like you know ozx open doing double flips like what where's the financial backing coming from like are you just working and funding the shit yourself or yeah yeah so all that time like in melbourne um so i guess i, I first started working um when i was like 14 i started going just after school because I didn't have so my old man didn't live there so i didn't really have much of an idea on how to work on bikes yeah. so because i didn't really have anyone sort of coaching me so um i found out steve powell from spmx yeah 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 yeah. so powell he lived um legend in the same estate and he was working from home he'd just gone out on his own and yeah, just started sp motorsport yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. so i figured out where he lived and i went around and knocked on his door one day and i just said hey mate i'm jo can i can i basically come around and sweep the floors and no, I don't want to get paid, but can I just want to like know how to do some things yeah. so I can figure it out so we don't have to pay someone to do change the oil and shit. Like, I just didn't know. I was like 14 or whatever. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't know. Yeah. And then Pally was like, yeah, sweet. So I just started doing that. And then I reckon it was like, my, I think it was like my second day. He had me, I re-laced a set of wheels for Chase Mozik. And then it was like my next, my second week, I was tearing down suspension and like learning how to revalve it. And I kind of just got got into it straight away and i really like i had sort of good attention to detail with with you know shims and with settings and stuff and i just started really enjoying that so i just kept kept doing that and i did that for eight years with powley and then when i had these bigger dreams to do bigger shit that i needed more money for i had to kind of look at other options i needed to make some more money so i got into construction then um and then my goal was to kind of get on the railways where you can make good cash um so i started doing that so we were 
I'd work, um, we'd do like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So we'd do 12 hours on site every day. Um, so that was when I was getting up at like every morning for a good couple of years, three years almost, I was getting up at 3 a.m., going and training, and then I'd go go home and have a shower and break in that, and then I'd go to the our, our yard, get in a truck, and then drive a truck up to the other side of town, and then I was working. So it was like the metro tunnel, all the underground rail yeah, network. Yeah. So I started doing that, and that's where there was obviously more money coming in. Um, and like it was, it was taking up a lot of time, obviously, because I didn't really have much time to ride, but I was in Melbourne and it was raining a lot anyway. So I was like, if I can hook in and make some good, try to save some money, then it can, when the weather's better or whatever, it can allow me to be able to, you know, go and spend this money making new ramps and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and then it was funny, actually, I listened to the podcast you did with Colby yeah, uh, yeah. and he was talking about working two jobs and I just I almost had a laugh to myself and I'm like, fuck, that's that's so cool that he did that because I was doing the same shit. So I was doing, um, yeah, so we're doing like our 12 hours on site plus it was like an hour each way for travel. So you sort of 14 hours there and then I'd normally get home at like, so I'd start work at, we're doing a lot of night shifts then. So I'd start at 7 p.m. I'd work through till 7 a.m. and then by the time I'd get home, it'd be about 8.30 because I'd have to drop a truck off at the yard, then drive home, and then I'd go straight to the gym at like 9 a.m. I'd train for like 40 minutes or something, and then I'd go home and sleep for probably four hours, and then I'd get up um, and then get dressed in my work clothes to go do suspension. And I'd go do, I think I'd do like maybe five hours, four or five, between four and six maybe, depending on what we had going on. And then I'd change into my, um, my night shift work gear, the fluoros, and then I'd drive back to the other side of town and then do another 12 hours so i think i was working like 16 to 18 hours a day and i was sleeping where i could in between um and then i was sort of just like try, i was just trying to make some money i was like i didn't have as i said i didn't have any sponsors so uh, where's the money gonna come from you gotta go and have a crack at it so i was doing that for a while and like i was um it was pretty hard like i kept i'd always every few weeks i'd be run down and be crook as a dog because i was still going to the gym and all yeah, the shit still in between. Training. but i wanted to because at the end of the day i wasn't working to make it big in construction i was working to make some money to fund the things i want to do on my bike so i'm not the training it, to me it was just as important as making money so i'm yeah, like yeah i'm not gonna not train i've got to keep doing that shit so anyway i just worked my ass off um and kind of made some money and then that was where i could try to go and spend whatever money i had i'd just put it straight into bikes and and or not not necessarily the bikes but like more like ramps yeah, and building yeah. things because you know you can build a ramp it can cost you three or four grand and it's like oh it's not and that's for a small ramp bigger ramps you spend 10 grand and it's like oh it's not very good and it's like oh well, there's 10 grand like it took me fucking two months to make like or whatever yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. so um that's kind of how i funded it all um but then, yeah, so back to the the first time I tried the triple into the foam pit, it was yeah, 2018, and then uh, I was super keen on it, but I didn't really know, I didn't know what what I needed. I didn't know, no one in Australia really had, um, like back then, I don't think anyone really had airbags or big ramps or anything. So um, I was like thinking like what can i do i really i re I, re and I believed i could do it so that that was a big motivation for me so i 
I didn't really know Travis Pastrana at this point. I, I had met him a couple of times, but I was because he he would he wasn't on all the tours, but every now and then he'd be there. But he's yeah. a busy guy, and I was a young kid. We you know we'd, we'd walk past each other in the hallway and wave, but like we didn't we weren't mates basically. But I remember I was um I was at work. Um, it, <laughs> I was actually at like a um a shit farm like where they recycle yeah, yeah. waste. And I was in a um I was in a suit and I was in a a um like a tank literally with full of shit yeah it was like it was shit day if you could say that. <laughs> and i remember i uh, i reached out to greg duffy yeah so who guy yeah. did the double fronty so i was friends with duffy from summer yeah, tours yeah, yeah and i hit him up for um he's a ga he's a legend yeah, yeah. so shout out to duffy because he's he kind of helped me get all this stuff sorted but i i messaged him on insta and i'm like hey man i told him what i wanted to do and i sent him some footage and i i just said like, have you got, is there any way I can get in contact with Travis? Like WhatsApp or email or something? And he's like, yeah, man, he gave me Travis's email. And then right there and then I took me shit, shitty gloves off and I sent Travis an email and I um, I just sort of introduced myself. I've actually got these screenshots on my phone, um, which are pretty cool. It's cool, cool to look back on. But I emailed Travis and I sent him through the footage of doing sort of two and a half off like a shit, ramp and not a shit ramp but a ramp that wasn't good for that particular yeah, yeah, trick it was, yeah. a, it was a great ramp but not for that um and i sent him through yeah this is what i want to do and and at the time because i didn't have any money to put into it and stuff and i was actually i had this idea and i still think t- to this day that it would work but i was like maybe i can just build i, I was we I actually looked at like hiring a heap of scaff like scaffold and i was gonna build like a three meter high scaff um, like run in basically, and I was going to have my ramp that that exact ramp sit three Just meters a bit high, off the ground. and I was going to do it. I wanted to do a triple flip step, step down, down, yeah, because with that extra, it would have hundred percent would have worked, I reckon, and still to this day, I think it would work. But that was that wasn't my idea of this is easier. That it's was just what you could do. It was my idea of like, I actually looked into getting scaff, and it was the sort of thing that I could afford to do on my own, and. I believed that it could have worked because I didn't have the airbags and and all the other stuff to make it happen. And I just sent Trav this thing and whatever, and I and, and I he just, was like, "No, don't do that." <laughs> but I said to him, "I'm like, I, I basically just, I just asked him if I could, you know, go and and go over to Pastrana Land and and you know, kind of use his facilities because we didn't have anything like that in Australia at the time. And look, to be honest, I. I didn't expect a reply from Travis because he's a busy guy and um, what's the chances of him seeing that? Like he probably gets a thousand emails per day. Uh, but I was cool with that. I, I was totally cool if he didn't reply because I didn't I didn't actually expect him to. But uh, you can't, you don't know unless you try. Like, like I say, you got to have a crack at something. So I did that and then I was back to, <laughs> back to work. And then, um, no shit, it was like probably a couple of hours later, he wrote back and I was like, can hang on boys tools down yeah. Travis Pastrana just sent me an email this is fucking sick yeah. and um, he basically just wrote back hey Joe blah 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 and he's like he's like yeah I think the step down idea would work but it's like really dangerous like because we want to do a step up so you, you fall from your peak yeah, highs yeah, as yeah. much and I, yeah. which I already understood but you know it was more of a money sort of thing but yeah he's like mate he goes i'll be home um between whatever months it was he sent me his address and he goes come over i'll see you then and i'm like holy shit that easy. i'm like yeah it was like this is obviously because he knew i was um motivated to do it and i don't know 
he was just like it was just so 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 cool of him like he did not have to do that and I can't say this enough I couldn't you know you can't speak more highly of someone like Travis because he didn't have to help me he didn't have to reply to me and yeah. I wouldn't have been mad I still would have loved him and thought he was the coolest person ever because he is but the fact that he did and he said it. and he's like yeah come over so I'm like fuck this is sick so basically I think it was um so it was obviously it was before the Ozx in 2019 so I think it was September I was over there and this was whenever this was it was there was about three months before because it was like it was like yeah man I'm going to be home and I think it was about three months away so all I did for the next three months I didn't ride my motorcycle once all I did was fucking hook in and work because I'm like I gotta I gotta save some money some you know because I need a it's not just flights and stuff I'm like do I buy a bike there and use it for a week and then yeah. or do I send a bike so there was a few different things I had to come up with and then like I did didn't, you end up sending them yeah so I sent my bike how much did that cost uh, I think it cost me I think it was meant to be all up four and a half grand yeah to get it back but the dude that I sent it with it was a company um, but he he didn't fill out some of the paperwork in Australia so I, I gave it to him gave him the money and it was meant to go there and back but then it went there and he didn't fill out the right it, it turned up a week late and it went to a different it went to new york so i had to hire a car and drive to new oh, york are you serious yeah so me and my brother drove to new york we didn't know what the fuck we were doing and then they wouldn't hand it over because he didn't fill out the right paperwork and we ended up getting it but then i couldn't get it home so yeah it cost me four and a half grand but i didn't get it home so it was like that's insane but um but yeah so i just i just worked i was just working flat out leading up to that for like three months doing like days and nights and all sorts but i was like i did not have a care in the world because i'm like you knew you were gonna be i'm there. gonna go yeah and i didn't even care that i wasn't riding like i didn't give a shit because i knew what i wanted to do and i just needed to have some money to be able to do that so um sent my bike and everything and then yeah when i went over there like i literally hadn't ridden not not a single thing not once not a track not a ramp nothing for three months but I, i'm glad i did work because that trip ended up costing me 25 grand um because there was a lot of other things that came up in between like i bent i went through 15 sets of handlebars in a week and because they, they were bending on the up ramp because when I, yeah so when i went there travis they were like the the ramp that josh sheehan used that wasn't around anymore that was for one thing and then that was done it was it wasn't even on the property it was done so i didn't know what ramp i was using i didn't care so you would this was all to try the triple yeah so, so you hadn't even landed the double at this point no nah, not to dirt i've done one to i've done it to an airbag landing and I could do them into a foam pit and stuff. And like I had ridden out of them, but I hadn't done it to dirt. But yeah. I'm like, I'm fucking, I'm going, like I'm doing this. So you wanted to do the, the triple was more important than the double. Yeah, I well, way, yeah, way yeah. more. So yeah, sort of, I had no, I was going in completely blind. I didn't know what ramp I was using. I didn't know how fast. I didn't know what gearing I needed on the bike. I didn't know what it looked like. I had no, he didn't, didn't mention it. I had no idea. So I remember pulled, I <laughs> pulled up to his house I went I went over with my brother um, and we like stayed and we flew into um, BWI Baltimore yeah, Washington yeah, International yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we got in pretty late so like, I didn't want to rock up at Travis's house late at night so we got like a shitty um, hotel and it was like dude it was in the full Baltimore in the full ghetto like it was mad <laughs> there was a dude trying to buy a hotel room he had like five coins he's trying to get a room yeah, like it was just dodgy i was like fuck i didn't want my gear bag to get stolen yeah I pretty yeah. much didn't sleep because i was like this is fucking so dodgy Dude, there's some wild joints there, yeah right? it was pretty wild but then um 
Yeah, so we rocked up at Travis's the next day, and mate, I was like, "How nervous oh, were you pulling up to the?" Oh, I, I actually wasn't nervous, but I was so excited. I couldn't. I can still, I can still remember the excitement I had to this day because when we were pulling up, I remember it was like, it was like t- I was turned left in two miles to, and that was his driveway, and I was just like, I couldn't fucking believe it, and I was like, <laughs> and the best thing was is that even though I hadn't been there, I felt like I knew what it looked like. Yeah. I, I knew his whole property just from like videos and. And, you know, Nitro Circus movies and that. So it was like when I rocked up, I was like, I already know what it looks like. But when we rocked up, no one was there. So he, just, he gave me the gate codes, <laughs> let myself in. I was just cruising around. And um, then he rocked up like hours later. I was just like cruising around, you know, having a look at stuff. And I actually, I walked out the back um, and the ramp that I thought, um, yeah, the ramp I thought I was going to be jumping, like I just looked at it and I just presumed that must be what I'm jumping. It was actually the ramp that Jed Milden did a quad flip off. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was like it was like this skinny and it was like massively tall. And um, I was like, oh, sweet. That, that, that's obviously it. Like, yeah. I'm all right, let's do it. Like, I was stoked. I thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah. And then um, I found out that obviously wasn't the ramp. It was BMX ramp. <laughs> but um, yeah, then he, he rolled up and then we got this ramp um, sort of set up. And then um, so I had, yeah, I had... Um, Josh Glynn from Freeform Action Sports over there helping me so he owns an airbag here in Australia so he was sort of helping me out and my brother was there um, so with the bike rocked up like a week late so I couldn't do anything for the first week so I had to extend the trip a little bit and then we went to New York got the bike had it all set up and this ramp was um, it was it turns out it was actually the ramp that Travis did the um, Aussie roll to yeah, the okay. double backflip yep, 360 yep, yep, so yep like fantastic ramp it was a great awesome ramp but not for a triple flip though like it was good for a double flip combo uh, or the aussie roll but for the triple flip it just wasn't quite enough but like i was still i still i did commit to three like i did actually get one around but um it was you know i tried to i didn't really know where to set the ramp and the first days of me doing it travis wasn't there it was just it was just me so like i didn't know i didn't really know how to do the airbag stuff how it was meant i hadn't actually i don't think i jumped into one i might have but uh, i didn't know where to set it and stuff and i was i think i was in i think i was in second gear still um anyway and i we set it at whatever and then i just started i was just pissing in the wind yeah i started just i think my first jump was a double flip just to feel it out and then it was gnarly i've got videos like the i've got a helmet cam video which is cool the running like it wasn't flat it was up in the woods yeah so i was coming down this hill in between trees and then i'd get onto a flat bit of like flat ground for like 30 feet and then that was a ramp so you couldn't see the ramp until you're on it basically and i was coming like hooking in but i had to hit the ramp so fast to try to go high enough to do three that the like the g-force and everything of me hitting the ramp was like that's what was bending my handlebars because I was like geeing out on this thing so fucking hard and then just pulling. But like in a perfect world to do like a double combo, you'd come in slower and off the ramp. But that I, I tried that and it wasn't, it wasn't enough because really it wasn't the best ramp for that trick. But, um, I think by the second day, maybe or the third day, um, I pulled, like I sat into it and pulled one round and, and technically, bit of an under rotate but technically it was a triple flip yeah um and like because that's like a lot of a lot of people think because i've been doing it doing that on like working on the triple since 2009 and a lot of people think like it took me that long to learn yeah but it, it was that's not the case at all like i did it 
on the third day i got got one around to the to the front wheel i got it around but the reason it took so long is because a no one i had nowhere to do it like no event nowhere to do it. i when i got back to australia i didn't have the same ramps and i, I wanted to build the same ramp but i had no money to do that because i just spent, spent 25, 25 grand, grand yeah there. um but it didn't take me that long to do but in the way like in the the process of it happening there was a lot of different things and different ramps and stuff and it was more so just waiting for an opportunity to do it i was asking anyone i was like I want to do a triple flip. Give me a, any ramp and something like, I just want to start working. But I, I didn't have any contacts. I didn't really have anyone to, you know, no one really wanted to help out. So it wasn't that it took me four years to learn. Like I learned it on the third day, but it was just a long process of being able to find someone to do it. And then I did finally have a setup where I was going to do it. Um, I was going to do it at Nitro World Games, not this year gone, but the, the year before off this crazy big ramp, which is like eight meters tall, which is what I was doing them on for a fair while, um, which I, it's what I broke my femur on at the start of the year. But I was going 100 feet high and 65 feet distance. I was third gear completely fucking wedged off this that ramp. That is psycho. Going mad. But like, I didn't think it was psycho at all at the time. I was like, fuck, this is what we're doing. Like it was, and that's where I really started trying to put on some size because I was like, I was getting so fucking hurt on that thing. But I loved it. Like I fucking, <laughs> I love, I was like nothing better than going back to work on a Monday with a black eye and fucking, you know, and then you're working with people on site that are talking about doing wheel stands down the road. And I'm like, I never would say anything, but I was like, I fucking loved it. And then yeah. that's what was getting me up at 3am to go train. I'm like, this is fucking sick. It's like a big demon that you were battling. Yeah, I just thought it was unreal. But the process, so after, sorry, just to rewind, I'm carrying, no, 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 I'm carrying no, no, on a no, bit no, here. No. But so after the, the whole Pashina Land thing, had an epic time. And like, Dude, I got, how good is he as a person? Oh, he's a legend. Like, like, he is unbelievably yeah, cool. Couldn't speak more highly of the fella. Like, yeah. he's just a fuck, just a ripper bloke, just a normal guy, just, yeah. a, just a dude. But I, no, he's not. He's so generous. Yeah, but like, like he's abnormally. Yeah. He's he's a normal guy in terms of like the way you interact yeah, with him, yeah. but he is abnormally generous yeah. with people. And like that whole, he just gives you the gate code, and yeah, you just yeah, go, yeah. that's one hundred percent him, man. Like, like it's crazy. Yeah, like I got a like I I didn't want to have to be a burden to him, and I didn't want to have to rely on him for anything. So he was stoked that I rocked up with my own bike because other people that go there they just expect him to get him a bike. I rocked up. I got a um, like I got a I hired a Dodge Ram. A truck which because i was like 19 or something or 20 it cost me a fortune because i was like yeah underage yeah it cost yeah, me yeah. a fortune but like i didn't he was already going so far out of his way to help me and I, i'm no one you know and he's helping me so much that i just i like i went and got all my food for like i did every single little thing i was going to a gym he had a gym at his house but i didn't want to ask him to use it i was like going like paying to go to a gym i was doing everything i could because, you know, I just appreciated it so fucking much. Like, it was just so, you know, it was unreal. And then... Um, but did you end up staying at his joint? Yeah, so I was going to, like, looking at getting accommodation and that. And he's like, no, you stay here, mate. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. fuck, this is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, we, we did that. And, like, it was... Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole experience was unreal. And just to have him believe in you. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's probably worth... Oh, like more than 25 grand no like for him more to than believe, a million more yeah. than a million bucks to be yeah. honest i think i i well i don't think like you could put a price on that for, for me personally I, completely um, agree. I think that's amazing you know like just to have him as a mate now like and you know i can give him a text or a phone call and it's like it's sweet and i guess 
that's actually how the Black Rifle deal um, oh, yeah, came yeah. about. So that back then he was still with Red Bull, and um, he it was once I got home it was like after the Ozx maybe, but he we were, we were in contact, staying in contact still, and he um, yeah he reached out to me and he's like, oh I've got a got a company that wants um wants some like wants a freestyle rider they want to put a helmet on someone you know and um they didn't have any freestyle riders at this point and i was like oh yeah who's that and he, he told me black rifle and i had heard of him because i'd seen him on the joe rogan podcast yeah, yeah. um evan hafer who's one of the owners yeah yeah and trav said to me so he was still with red bull and trav said to me he's like um he goes oh that's where i'll end up he goes i don't know when but it might be a couple of years but he goes that's where i'll end up and i'm like fuck this must be like this is yeah. pretty cool so that's kind of how that all came about that didn't come about for probably another eight to 12 months that deal but that's how the introduction was so travis was the one that put me in touch with them and got things happening um and then yeah so i got home and i did the the ozx open stuff which was cool and then i didn't obviously i didn't get my motorbike back and i had to give back the old practice bike to to dale hocking so cheers dale for that and then um, i was legend of the game yeah i was pretty hard up for cash i just spent me me 25 quid um so my brother bought me a bike um off race line actually it was um uh justin rod bell justin bell yeah, 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 yeah so it was yeah, his yeah. they built it for him for supercross but then he didn't get a visa so he couldn't come over or something so we bought his spare race bike um and then i started hooking in on that and then at this point i was still doing all the same shit with work and everything but then I really started going after the triple hard and what I in my head what I wanted to do this whole time since then since 2019 was obviously the ramp that Sheeny did it on was enormous and I could you could I could never speak more highly of Sheeny as a person of a rider and how ballsy that was and that was like crazy, the craziest bro. thing anyone's ever done ever to this day on a yep. motorcycle but you know what I thought in my head was like that that sort of thing can't be replicated. Yeah, you you yeah. can't you can't take that to a stadium and do that. It, it can't be done again. And I just thought there's got to be a way to do, you know, as like as time goes on and and you know equipment like motorcycles get better and and you learn more about ramps. You can always things can go better. You can scale things down and everything. So I'm like, I always wanted to do it on like a smaller size setup because, and still still right now to this day I want to be able to, I want to do as many as I can I want to do a hundred a million yeah. I want to do them like I want to do what Cam Sinclair did with doubles with triples yeah. so yeah. wherever I can do them I want to do them so I'm like I need to do it off a ramp that's smaller that um, you know that I can take to places and do them so that's where I really started hooking in and um, I actually used the, the first ramp I used for the foam pit which I didn't I did two and a half off I got that ramp and then we made some mods to it um we, we had it jacked up like 600 mil we had a bobcat parked in front of it um so it wouldn't rock forward and we made a little extension and then i was working i think at the time i was still doing a bit of the rail work but then i was also working as a brickie yeah um so i was working during the week and then i was um i was hiring an airbag off someone it was costing me 1500 bucks for the day so I'd get the airbag out and I had to I had to pick it up and drop it off on the same day. And it was a big airbag. I was, it was a bag jump, but it was like a full 40 by 40 footer or whatever. It was a big dog. So it was like hard to pack up and shit, you know. And this is in Melbourne. This is in winter. And um, I was going out to the, to the property and we had an old... It was where Cam Sinclair's original compound was where I did my first um, backflip and everything. Yeah, yeah. But there was no longer a compound there because it had to get shut down. But... 
I got a um, <laughs> I got an excavator and I was like, I know because it all got filled in with dirt. And I'm like, I know for a fact that there's an asphalt run up somewhere here because me and Cam laid that asphalt run up six years ago. And I'm like, I know there's a run up. So it was muddy as fuck. Like it was so muddy. And I started scratching around and then I found a bit of, I'm like, yeah, that's it. So I, I dragged back the the dirt and I had a bit of, it was the not a great run up. Like it was, it was pretty, I mean, I'd been sitting under dirt for like six years and water and yeah. shit, but I found that asphalt run up and then um, it was so muddy, man. Like, so what, what we used to do, I used to have the airbag, I'd have tarps and stuff and I'd go, I'd get the airbag, um, I'd hire, like I'd hire a car trailer, give him the cash, get the airbag, take it out there, set it up and then... Because it was so muddy, I used to have um, Brett, who owns the property, had um, a forklift, like a like one of those Kubota with yeah. the big four-wheel drive wheels. So, and it had like a um, it had a double double pallet. So I'd put my I'd get geared up like out on the driveway, and I'd have my gear and my bike and my stand on the double pallet, and someone would drive me out on the forklift and would drop me off directly on the asphalt. And there was no warm up, no speed checks, no clearing out the bike. I'd just start my bike and rev it up, and the airbag was water all over it and then on the sides it was like deep in mud so I couldn't do a warm-up jump I'm like all right so I've just worked 60 hours this week and I'm spending my whole wage on today let's go like let's fucking go so I just start me bike rev the fucking tits off it and sight myself up punch myself that a few times I'm like let's go and I, I knew I was gonna regardless I knew I wasn't gonna land on two wheels I was knew like I was gonna get it around to the wheel like to the front but then like you're yeah. taking a hit yeah and i'm like and i was i fucking loved it i was so stoked i was like <laughs> this is fucking awesome so i was doing that and i would do all that and i'd have my mates out there helping me and you know and spending all the money and stuff to do one jump and i was fucking stoked and i'd go to work so sore the next day i'd drop the airbag off on the trailer drop the trailer back to the servo so literally one jump you couldn't one do jump. any more there was times i could do more but maybe two like gurney the gurney the tires Gurney my boots. Like, I'm talking... I've got photos. It was gnarly. It was so muddy, man. Like, it was fucking brutal. Like, it was... Anyway, and then, like, I loved it. I thought it was so sick because that was, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't give a shit about anything else. And yeah. I'd go to work tired and busted up and sore on Monday and I'd be doing a 12-hour day and I, I fucking loved it. I was just thought, I'll do it again all week and then hope to do it on the weekend, you know? And then, um, like, a few of my mates were like, fuck, man, like how long can you keep doing like you you've really beaten yourself up like one time i got knocked out for like i don't know like six minutes or something and cam sinclair he was real worried because i was yeah, like he's had head injuries. yeah and i was like i've been knocked out heaps of times as well and i was i was doing some weird shit and i kept asking the same questions for like hours and hours and i went home i didn't even go to the hospital but then i ended up one of my mates picked me up and took me to the hospital but like because i i I um, had my foot hooked under the gear shifter and the rear brakes. So I had a double hook and I I think something happened and I actually went to eject and then my foot was still hooked under the shifter. So my as I've jumped off the bike, my boot and the gear shifter has pulled the bike down Back so fast you. and yeah. the swing arm landed on my head and cracked, oh. cracked a whole helmet and everything and that's what like fully KO'd me so I might have had like two weeks off and then got back into it but a few of my mates were like man like how how long like can you what what else can you do like is there another way and I'm like no. and I, I remember saying to, to Josh Freeform I said mate I ain't giving up because I know I can do it and I said you believe like you work hard I'm like someone somewhere is going to notice this someone will 
and and I might get a, a chance to ride it at a different place or, or go somewhere where it's not muddy or, yeah. or be able to do a few jumps or have a better ramp. I was like, you got to keep going. You have to keep going. So I just kept doing it. And I was, and no one really knew because I didn't really have much going on as far as like sponsors or anything. I had great help from friends, you know, and which is, which I appreciate so much, but I didn't really have much else happening. And then I guess as I kept going and kept working, like I, like I kept, hoping would happen and i believed would happen someone would sort of notice and then that's when nitro um and i, I was getting the triples around on that sort of setup and then that's where nitro did they did notice and they put a little bit of like a little bit of budget into me doing them on this massive ramp so travis and his crew uh, i think it was nate wessel and, and travis and a few other dudes um put together this these specs of this massive ramp and they sent him out and um, we went and had it built. I think it cost like ten grand because it was such a big ramp. And did they pay for that? Yeah, they they they. Um, so we so Josh Glynn from Freeform he he built this thing him and his crew and he paid for all the materials and then Nitro reimbursed him whenever that was. Um, and I hadn't seen this ramp because Joshy lived in um, Phillip Island and I was like in the southeast in Vic so. It was a couple, couple of hours. I hadn't been out there and seen it, but I was like so keen. And Josh was sending me photos every day, and then he's like, "Man, this because it's it's built in three pieces. Like you need yeah. a, you need a crane to put it together. It's that big, <sighs> like an excavator. No way it can reach. Like it's huge." And he's like, "Man, this thing's like big." And I was so fucking pumped. I was like, "Make it bigger." I, was <laughs> yeah, like, I love yeah. it. And then um, we we hired a um in Ararat, Victoria. Do you remember yeah. Lewis Stewart? Yeah, he used to yeah, race. Yeah. yeah, so his parents' Mate, property. So I used to, dude, I, when I moved from Cairns, yeah. I moved to Melbourne. Yeah. And I lived in Geelong with Subby from Stroke. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. That. yeah so yeah. I lived in, in, with him in Geelong. Yeah. We used to take the train into North Melbourne every day yeah. and back. Yeah, and, yeah. And I worked for Konski. Yeah. And then on the weekends, I used to go stay at Ararat at his parents' farm and So ride. you've been there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no way. So, yeah, that's, yeah, so, yeah. We, so we hired a piece of their land. Yeah, right. And, um, Cold as Fuck yeah, there's joint. nothing. There's nothing nah, to do there. Just it's, rabbits. There's it's a weird place, Ararat. There's like a there's a jail there, and it's where they send the real weirdos, like yeah, yeah. mentally ill. Like it's a real weird joint. So we'd go. Well, we started going there. So that was like a, I think it was a three hour drive maybe for me. And um, so we'd go out there and we we got a yeah we hired a piece of the land like rented it sort of thing leased it, and then we hired a digger. So why there? Um, just because anywhere closer to home like you couldn't physically do it with council and i, I was tr believe me i was trying to find somewhere closer but i reached out to heaps of people and no one was like you know um but it was awesome of lewis stewart so my mate josh from freeform action sports his little boy rocky who at the time was like five years old or something he was being coached by lewis stewart yeah. like he was doing coaching and stuff and i think joshy you know was just talking about our plans and stuff and then lewis stewart um really helped us out and he's like oh well fuck we've got heat we've got like so much land in Ararat that doesn't get used and there's no one there like, no one's going to complain like, yeah, literally yeah. no one's there so yeah. um so that's kind of how it came about like we had looked at doing some things at um places that were close to it and it just never worked out so i'm like all right let's do we'll do that so well, yeah we went out there and we hired a digger i think we had like a 20 ton digger and josh's brother sammy he's a he's a whiz in a in, a, in an excavator so we went out there and we, we scoped out the paddock and there was like a hill with some like slight elevation. Like it didn't look like much, but what we wanted to do was because this ramp is enormous, we wanted to like dig it in 
a little so bit have so a, that it, yeah have a step up sort yeah. of and um yeah josh just had a good eye he's like that hill looks like it'd be good and i didn't think it had enough pitch like i thought it was but i you know i don't know as much as him like he's the, those guys are so good at what they do so um we had this gnarly run in like this gnarly trench dug like it is huge man and um yeah we had it dug sammy had a dug in a day and then we yeah drove home and then back to work for the week and joshy's running his concrete business and then the next weekend we come out with a crane truck um oh no it was sorry it would have been a couple of weeks because we had to get the parts of the ramp delivered there over a period of weeks because it was like it's a three-hour drive each way and you can yeah. only fit one piece on the truck so it was, a, it was a couple of weeks but then we once it was all there we went out with the crane truck and we had the ramp set up we erected all the ramp and then um joshy poured a concrete slab and everything out there for the ramp to sit on and we had to, we bolted the thing to the concrete and then another weekend we take out the airbag and set that up so it was like a period of a couple of months of hard work basically and um and, and you know and money going into it so we got out there and this ramp like travis just designed this thing it's never been jumped he didn't say oh you should jump it in this gear at this gap well, i had no idea man like no idea but i was but i was so fuck like i was jumping out of my skin how fucking keen i was like i was like you know and then um yeah we had this this bad boy set up and um and then like travis said i think we were on like a bit of a group email and um because i was just out there on my own me and my mate me and one mate that was it and he was sort of like like that thing's pretty big like he was kind of leaning towards having it up close and jumping it in second gear, just doing a straighty. And I'm like, nah, I'm not fucking doing that because the way that we dug the um, like the trench and the run up, like the airbag could only be, it couldn't be hard up. Yeah, like, I, can't, right. I can't do that. But I'm like, I don't want to, the things that they were, it was called the third gear ramp. I'm like, it's a third gear ramp. So I don't really, I don't want to jump it in second and then have to adjust things. Like, I'll just jump it in third gear. I'll just set it up. F- we'll just fucking set it up where it is and I'll just hit the thing fast enough to land on the airbag. It's yeah. simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, um, so we set it like the distance to the middle of the bag was 65 feet, I think. And, um, but I kind of didn't know if the ramp was going to send me straight up or if it was going to send me like that. So I went up the day of doing it. I went up with my iPhone and I stood like on the side of the ramp and I was holding my iPhone at the angle of the kicker. And I'm like, Oh, it does look like I'm going to go distance, not just straight up. So I think, yeah, we set it like, it's like 65 feet to the center of the bag. And I had a 110 meter run up or something. And I just started shifting gears and hit the thing third pin, like so fast, you know? And, um, and I landed perfectly on the logo in the middle of the really? bag. Really? Yeah, Dude, it was sick. I got that's, a bit, that's so we've got a little doco that's been like Nitro's put a little doco together of all this. So I have to send you some stuff. It is cool. Like, and then my very next jump, I double. I did, I, so I did a straight jump to start off because I wanted to see what it was like, and also to test the pressure of the airbag because I hadn't jumped that high yet to an airbag. So we, we were kind of testing a few things, and then my very next jump, I did a double flip, um, and then I think fuck it was not long like the, i don't know oh and then so yeah i think i just did a bit that day that first day so i did, I did a couple doubles and we went back and stayed at the little motel in town and you know looking over footage and stuff and and then the next day i think i did a triple flip and then um i sent back the footage in this group email and they were like what the fuck's wrong with you because they were like they're like we like nitro wanted me to go and test the jump and just like jump it just to see if it worked like they didn't even think i was gonna like do any flipping around they just, they just wanted to see what it was like and if the airbag and everything worked and 
I was like, well, that's kind of what I was coming to do. Like, I wanted to, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to have a go at it. So, I'm, I've got to go back to work tomorrow. Like, yeah, yeah. I made, made the most of it while I'm here. But, um, but then, yeah, that kind of just, that kind of continued on. And um, I didn't get to write it very often. Um, but then, like, I did get a few really good sessions in. And Sheeny come and wrote it once with me, which was so much fun. And it was cool. Like, we, we played around. Like, we... Um, you know, we were, we were jumping this thing and literally from the ground, from where the ramp sits, we were, we were going 100 feet. So it was super high, but Sheeny did the craziest thing I've ever seen. Sheeny did a holy, an upright holy grab, like like that, into a double grab off this ramp. It was fucking mental. And um, and then we were doing like turn-ups. So like we're leaving the ramp like dead straight. You don't want to carve off that thing, but we're going dead straight. Then once we're in the air, you just feel like you, you're just weightless. You can just move your bike and we're doing like turn-ups off this thing and anyway so that was that was the plan and we were using that at world games and we had a um we had bag jump um in europe we had them we designed a landing um so me me sheeny and travis were sort of working together um just over all the footage and emails and stuff and we figured out the landing so the landing was going to be 10 meters tall it was going to be 15 meters wide at the top and then 20 meters wide at the bottom so it was going to kind of go out like that can't remember the exact angle but the angle was it was it was pretty steep it was really steep like really steep and um but like we were, i was doing them like i would i was doing them easy like not easy but i was doing them like no worries like once i figured it out yeah i was like i wouldn't jump it for four months because we then needed an ambulance to be there with nitro for safety and then like that cost money and so like it wasn't i couldn't just i wanted to just go there every weekend but like it was sometimes four months three four five months so like i wouldn't ride it for five months and i'd go back and my very first jump of the day and we've got all this stuff documented my very first jump of the day i'd do a perfect triple foot and but I, at this point i wasn't allowed to tell anyone or show anyone yeah so i'd been doing this for so long but not allowed to show anyone and it was kind of killing me because i was still just going to work on the monday and like i still didn't really have any sponsors at this point and like i had some people that like friends and stuff that helped me out and, and give me some little cash here and there and, and so what was nitro telling you at this point uh they just said you can't do it we're gonna we're gonna release like a i had to sign something so i wouldn't you know tell people and um it was like we're gonna unleash it at world games um in 2021 uh or maybe it was even before that and i got canned with it was even before that might have been 2020 it was 2020 no no it was 2020 world games we're going hard at 2020 world games yeah and then that got canned with co i was man i was like fired up i was so spilling because i was so ready to do it and i'd been training and i'd I'd been doing them really good and um like it's kind of like this one thing that you've been working towards yeah so i was was, yeah i was spewing that that you know that that happened and then anyhow um i just kind of kept going but so that after that because i was like fuck i can finally tell everyone in 2020 and it's gonna be you know this will be mad and uh and it would have looked pretty spectacular off that ramp because it is so big you know and um and then yeah so night show like look we're gonna we're gonna do it next year i'm sorry you gotta wait another 12 months but we, you know, we've already got all this amazing filming um, by Arnie and Taz who they run like R. Willie's YouTube they yeah, live yeah. in the sunny coast so they, they've got all this sick footage of, of everything and um, you know we're going to like release like a little video series leading up to World Games blah 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 and then and then they canned it and then it wasn't going to happen at World Games and I like they just wouldn't do it it's too dangerous or something and I called Travis and I'm like mate fuck's going on here i'm like you gotta back me up man like this is all i care about it's all i want to do and then travis is like yeah we're doing it we're, we're doing it so travis is like 
they were like, oh, no one else will jump it. So and I'm like, I said, don't put me in the competition. I don't want to be part of the competition. I don't want a trophy. I said, just have me as an expedition, like or, or half time at World Games. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. just put me in it because I've just spent so much time and money and not, not only that I don't care about that but I want to do it it's so like bad just your goal and I'm like just, just set me set me up in the car park I don't I don't care set me up somewhere and then Travis is like Travis has never jumped this thing Travis is like hey I'll, I'll come over and jump it then there's two of us I won't do a triple flip but he's like I'll jump it I'll do a double flip KOD and I'm like he's got me back he's a mad dog and then um anyhow and then it wasn't happening and then I like I started like phone calling like all the big dogs at through on action sports and nitro circus and I'm like sending them so much footage and I'm like I, I will do it like let me let's let's figure out how we can do it and then they changed a bunch of shit like though they, they, they were being positive towards it but I had to really if I didn't kind of kick their ass about it it wouldn't happen so I kept I just kept on them and then that we got like a layout of the Suncorp Stadium um, for the 21 World Games, which didn't go ahead. And then um, like I needed to cut the run up shorter by like a fair bit, like 20, 20 or 30 metres or something. And they're like, oh, you won't be able to do it. And I said, no, I'll be able to do it. I said, what we'll do is I'll go out to the compound. If you can like organise Ambos or whatever to be there, I'm happy to do it without it. But if you organise that, and I said, me and Josh will mark exactly where we needed to go and we'll yeah. we'll shovel a berm out of dirt we'll build a berm and i'll come on a 45 degree angle and i'll hit a berm in second then i'll click third and hook both feet and do it do a triple and they're like oh you think and i'm like no i'll just we'll make we'll it work it out. it'll yeah. work and then we went and did that and it worked and it was sweet and did it for like um first go we did it and then they're like fuck this guy really wants to do this and then anyway then yeah that shit didn't go ahead and then i was um I'm like fuck. I was getting pretty, not frustrated, not frustrated with anyone in particular, but just just with the circumstances. Yeah, I guess. the situation. And then I'm like, and at this point, I still can't tell anyone. I'm not allowed to tell. Like, I, I really wanted to try to reach out to like because you can't comp- get sponsors. Yeah, and I'm like, get- I'm still doing a normal job, and I don't really have much going on, you know. And I, I just not that not that working a normal job's bad because I still to this day I still work a normal job, but I just wanted a little bit of help, not not necessarily money in my bank account, but just to go towards some other things because yeah. I was I wasn't riding at all. I'd work like fuck and then I'd go out there on the weekend and haven't ridden for however long and just but which is fine. I'm glad it worked out as it did anyway. But um but anyway then I was gonna do the I was gonna do it on tour, on the Nitro tour. And then um I last sort of that was this year I think yeah because didn't go ahead so I was going to do it on tour this year uh, and that was all sort of set up and then um, yeah start of the year it was like Feb maybe um, I was doing some back then so the Ararat lease had ended so we had to fill that in yeah flatten all that out and then I was searching for another place to do it and then I went and set it up at Jacko's place and the, yeah. ramp, the ramp's actually still there at Jacko's and um and then I ended up breaking my femur, snapped my femur, doing like I landed on the airbag, um, and then that was a that was a fucking pretty bad one actually. Like obviously a femur is bad, but man, that thing hurts so much. Hey, I was like screaming. Like I've had a lot of injuries, um, like like any motocross or freestyle rider has, but that one for me was a it was a killer. Snap that bone. Yeah, hectic, and my bro. leg was sort of uh, it, it wasn't compound, but the the bone was certainly like facing it was it was pointing against the skin, but and my lower leg was kind of facing the wrong way, um, and it was hurting like so much, you know. And um, Jacko was there and. Jacko's like, we got to get that thing, like, we got to get that thing straight because I think if you leave it, 
it can cut off your blood or something. You can, yeah. You can, yeah, I think it can be a disaster. So, like, and I was laying on the airbag and I had my old man was there and I was, like, I can squeeze him. Like, his arm was in so much pain and they were trying to, but, like, my quad muscle had like locked, locked up, on yeah. and they couldn't, um, like, they were fighting against it. was just, they were fighting against the muscle, basically. And there was a paramedic there, just, like, not an ambo, but, like, a paramedic on site, um, and then they would give me some sort of muscle relax. I don't know what it was, but like they could like legally only give me a dose every like two minutes. So they'd give me one and then have a stopwatch. And then it's like two minutes. Yeah, give me another one. And they did it like four or five times. And then finally, like they were just wrestling against me. And I was like going white. I was trying to tap out. I'm like, this is fucked. Yeah, and like I had like super strength from my adrenaline. I was like laying on my back and I was just squeezing my old man's up his hand that hard I like started like lifting him up like I was in so much pain man and then um they, they got it sort of straight like Jacko was literally straightened my leg for me and then um he's a mad dog yeah he? he's it wasn't even freaked out like it was just another day in the office so and, he's a proper man. yeah dog. um and then anyhow then we jumped in the in the and then an ambo did arrive and then it was like was there, so we're in Lockhart and we went to Wagga hospital and had the surgery there and stuff um and then yeah, that was that was actually pretty brutal there too, because the Wagga Hospital is kind of not much going on. It's pretty quiet, smaller town, and you know like the rod that they put in your in your femur or in your tib fib or whatever. So they didn't have any, which was kind of weird. The hospital didn't have any, so I just presumed they would have like put me in an ambo and take me to Sydney. But they instead of doing that, they just had me in traction. So they had like a weight tied to At my ankle of, yeah. yeah so to pull the bones apart and they kept saying oh it's all right you're gonna go into traction it's gonna feel unreal and i didn't know what traction was and i'm like i can't wait till we do this because they're saying it's gonna feel awesome and i was like it was hurting you know and I'm, then they come out with a rope and like a, like a drink bottle like a big like the sort of thing you piss in full of water and it goes up over the bed and they've tied it and i'm thinking what well, this is the thing that's gonna make me feel better and they've done it and they're like oh how much better does it feel and i'm like no nah, that that literally feels horrible like, that's that, a, that's that, is, that is not better yeah and then anyway they had someone drive in like an ambo drive to um sydney to get a, a, a they call it a nail but like a rod for the leg and um you'd think they'd probably grab a few you know because they come in all shapes and sizes and the dude just come back with one what a fuck and it up. was the right like length obviously because they measure that but the, it's the width because it's got to go inside yeah and um once they sort of got me cut open and apart they figured it was too thick so then they had a um because i gave my phone to the surgeon too so they took a bunch of photos because i wanted it for like document the whole yeah, thing just to have and they had like a like a drill just looked like a makita drill and it had a 300 mil long drill bit but just so like they a, bought it out. But it was not like a big drill bit. That was like an eight mil. And they were doing these ones. Like that. Fuck but in off. The, in the process of that, they snapped another part of my femur. Like another piece snapped off. And they got this sucker in there. But anyway, so it was like there was a fair bit of shit going on. But they legally they had to tell me that because when I go get my follow-up x-ray, it's like, oh, hang on, it's broken in another spot now. So then... Are you serious? Yeah. But uh, cause it is what it is. It was sweet. Fuck. But then... um. Yeah, and then my old man, he drove me. Like I got out of, he got out of the surgery, and like they weren't really giving me anything for pain. Like like they were, but not like very minimal, you know, because they kind of don't do that in Australia. But then I had to, um, my old man had to drive me from Wagga Wagga Hospital to the Gold Coast because I just moved to the Goldie, and I was like, after the surgery, that's a shit drive, bro. So I was like. 
I don't know, 14 hours or something. It was yeah, rough, no, rough no, as. No. And then I got back and I was kind of just on the couch for a bit. But then, like, I started back in the gym, Mark, after two weeks, maybe, post-surgery, just on crutches. Because at the start, it was so sore, I couldn't really do much. But then, um, yeah, sort of got that better. And then it's like, all right, well, fucking, what are we... World game so, coming so up. So that, that cancelled the... Um, so that cancelled... So was that in Feb this year? Yeah. Yep. No shit. Yeah, so that was... It might have been... Yeah, it was the end of Feb. So yeah. March almost, I think. Um, so then I sort of just started doing that, doing the recovery. And I was back working, doing suspension. So I was working at Raceline yeah, yeah. Um, while I was in the moon boot and shit. And that was sketchy because it was like always oil and stuff on the ground i'm like crutching around <laughs> you know i didn't want to trip over but um yes yeah, so i was back doing that and then still doing my training and doing the physio and just doing all the stuff to try to get better but it did take a while it probably took longer than i expected everyone else says like it was an amazing turnaround which i'm sure it was but for me it felt like it was going for ages like just the pain and stuff but um yeah so then i was like all right well world games is coming up again and i just sort of started jumping 75 a bit and then um, I didn't know they cancelled the big ramp because it's too dangerous and stuff and that was never going to happen anymore so I'm like alright well I'll figure it out I'll, I'll, I'm regardless of what happens I'm doing a triple flip because it's been three years of like being able to do it but I haven't been allowed and yeah yeah anyway trying and then, to make it happen yeah I started sort of riding again and then my fucking just randomly my bike hit neutral on the lip um, oh, just on a normal jump on 75 but I was jumping to a portable lander and uh, like I've never ready to elevate your home picture this central heating a cozy fireplace or your dream walk-in closet build a backyard oasis go green with solar panels or start a business it's all possible with figures home equity line of credit unlock up to four hundred thousand dollars apply online in five minutes funding in as little as five days head to figure.com and transform your home Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. My whole riding life, I've never had that happen. It was so random because there's a video of it and my foot's nowhere near the gear shifter, like at all. And um, anyway, so then I broke my collarbone and that was just before. So I've got like, I had surgery there. But then I was in the gym two days later and training and that. And I rode like seven days later. Um, but at this point, I still, I'd actually never jumped a moon booter. Um, I jumped ramps similar, but I'd never jumped a moon booter ramp. And I, I double flipped the moon booter, um, like around this. This is like three, nah, four weeks before World Games, and they were asking me what I'm doing because you got to submit your trick. And I said I'm doing a triple flip. And they're like, what? They're like, what ramp? And I said oh, I don't have it figured out yet, but I made out like I did. Like I made out like I knew what was going on, which in my head I did, but I just didn't have all the resources and the pieces together yet. But um yeah so i double flipped the moon booter and i did have a backup like i did a double flip um like superman indie off it like just to, as a backup just in case yeah, but yeah. like that's you're not wor- doing it. that's worst case yeah, yeah. like i'd rather I'd, i actually said to my brother i'm like if they don't let me do a triple i ain't going yeah i'm not, not going in the competition i'll stay at home yeah <laughs> so um anyway but then i yeah i'm like damn the moon booter's got a lot of potential like it was really it's a sick ramp like the thing's so good so you jumped that at harry's the first time yeah so that was yeah. like maybe four weeks before or something um Wait, can i stop for a piss yep and then we'll like yep. fully rip into that bit yep do you need a piss as well yeah, yeah, might as well. yeah it was funny i remember um yeah, he used to do all like the athlete support at um, That's right, yeah. At Lusty. Yeah. Um I remember dude, I sent you a fucking I sent you a message on Insta, I think it was in twenty one. It was when I was 
had a some of this shit. I'd had a rough go, and I remember listening to one. I, I just checked. I sent it to you in 2021. I sent you a message. What on Instagram or something? On Insta, on on Jace, like on your oh, personal. Oh yeah. But I I can't remember who the podcast was with. But I remember um, I remember listening to it and something that you were talking about fucking hit home. Really? And I like. I got a little bit of extra motivation. I oh, think I had sick. a bit of shit. But like, yeah, after this, check it out. Because I was like, I was pretty fucking pumped. I can't even remember who it was, man. But Did I, remember, I message you back? Nah. But I remember I was driving. <sighs> Sorry, bro. Nah, nah, I remember I was driving somewhere. Because I always would put them on whenever I was driving. And because I was like going back and forth to Ararat and all places, I was doing a bit of driving or even to work. So I had... um. Yeah, I can't remember. I wish I could remember who it was. But anyhow, it might come to me. But I remember listening to it and it, it kind of, I can't even remember the topic, but it hit home and I remember thinking, fuck, that's, like, I liked it. It gave me a little bit of extra, I don't know, pushing pushing the back, kicking the ass sort of motivation. So Yeah. Oh, that's um, sick, man. But, oh, yeah, there's the photos of the forks. Yeah, I think all so the other ones yeah, must be coming. But that's right. It, yeah, just drop yeah, it. We'll, so, we'll get back to them later. Yeah. So, oh, that's, that's fucking cool that... Uh, so I feel bad that I missed that message. No, that's no, all right. That shit happens, eh? <laughs> um, yeah. So we're talking. We we uh, talking about the moon booter. So yep. then, so you'd moved up to the Goldie. Yep. Um, what was the thinking there? Um, basically, the thinking was like in in Melbourne. Um, as you'd know, the weather's the weather's fucked. The weather bro. sucks, and you know, like I'm, I was kind of the only one doing freestyle there, like. Sinclair and Bilko like Bilko's in the States Sinclair's he's sort of come back out of retirement now he's getting a bit keen again but like he wasn't riding and I kind of had no one to ride no one to ride with but I had this kind of plan in my head to keep I wanted to do this other stuff so it's yeah. like I guess the average freestyle rider might not even necessarily be on board with because I just had these silly ideas of not silly but like I wanted to you know triples and all shit. this stuff and I just found it hard there and like I was kind of stuck in a I was stuck in a rut, I guess you'd say, and like I was in Melbourne, it's like, you know, those fucking big hours, man, it's like you, people there just live to work, and yeah. like I was doing, we were, we were, company I was working for was subcontracting to John Holland with all this rail stuff, and it's like, you're doing these shutdowns every few weeks on nights where you're, you're, you're occupied for 16 hours a night, you know, you're 12 on site, but you got to pick your truck up and tri- like travel to the sea, like it was just, it was just too much shit going on. And I just wanted a bit more, you know, and I was like, fuck, I'd, I want to go up there. The weather's good. There's a better base of people riding. Um, and I had wanted to do it for a few years, but at the time, I, like when I really wanted to do it, but I had that place at Ararat, which I'd invested some cash into and all that. So I'm like, it just, it was just the right time. Um, and we'd just done all the COVID stuff and um, the borders were still closed at this stage. But then once the borders opened, me and my fiance Beth, we literally fucking, dude, we didn't even say goodbye to him. The next, the very next day, we packed my iLoad van. I had two bikes, toolbox, all my gear bags, spare parts, couple of clothes, TV, all this shit. We just packed it into a van and didn't even have time to say goodbye because I'm like, we we need to get over the border. Well, the border's open. Yeah, we got a rental. Like it was hard enough to do that. We just did it and we just got up here and then it was like you know instantly like just the biggest change ever like yeah. in in the best way possible and not 
like riding aside just uh never been so happy with like just just with normal life in general it's yeah. just a it's just an unreal place up here you know and i completely agree bro yeah like i honestly i encourage any anyone whether i know you or not i encourage anyone that's thinking about it to just do it yeah like you think why do people go to the Gold Coast for a holiday? Because it's fucking awesome. So if you can have that awesomeness every day, and that doesn't <laughs> it doesn't wear off. Like no. I've been here for exactly a year now, and to me, I still kind of feel like I'm almost on a bit of a holiday. And I've been yeah. here for a year. Like I thought that would wear off after two weeks. And and I'm not like living the dream. Like I'm still going to work and just doing normal shit. But I love it. Like it's it's so much. It's just it's a place for opportunity and. You know, like even in this complex, you know, you got Todd Waters just there yeah, yeah. and you you guys and then like, you know, you got Sam Moore just down the road and like there's just people are just it's just the place to be. Like it's like yeah. a hub. You there's know? like, and, a, and there's like a mindset. Yeah. And that was when I when I moved back from from America, I just lived at my parents for like a year. Yeah. But it was when Maddie first bought next door. So Maddie owns next door as well. Oh yeah. Yep. And so he was working out of there, and if you watch like the very first episodes of the podcast, like yeah. it was just downstairs in there. Like yeah. Maddie was still working, like yeah, yeah, going mad, fucking yeah. Key, keyboard going in the background, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, keyboard warrior, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was I was living at my parents, and I was just driving down here every day. And where was that from? From uh, like Springwood in in Brizzy. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So I just come and I just commuting every day back and, and I literally just pretended like I worked for the podcast full time. Yeah. Like, and then yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna move to the Goldie. And then as soon as it was like 2019, when Harry bought his house, I was yep. like, I'm moving into your yep. apartment. And then I've been been pretty been much there. like in there. Yeah. Since. Like it's something. Um. Like I said before, you know, earlier I touched on. It's kind of like what what the Gold Coast reminds me of is like Temecula. You yeah, know? Like yeah. Now it's like the hub for yeah. motocross and like yeah. everyone's there. Like you got KDM North America and then you got Twisted Development and DBK and like everyone's just there and it's so cool and you yeah. can go to like a, you can go to get lunch somewhere and like you'll you see, see like someone. three pro yeah. riders. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like here, you go down to Wahoos and like everyone's there. Like it's just like, it's just that cool atmosphere and you know, there's a lot of like-minded people around that, um, you know, any, not even people that, don't even have to ride motorbikes but just a lot of people that have got people similar, are here having a crack yeah similar things in common and like i've got you know i got just as much respect for someone who's a, a chippy or a concreter who's fucking having a go who started their own thing or doing whatever or working for someone trying to build well, up like grant bink's a real good example yeah, of it like you people know, like, are having a fucking go and i don't i don't think motorbikes is who fucking cares yeah. it's fucking motorbike like i don't it doesn't matter but like if you're having a go at anything as long as you're having a go at it and, and you're trying to do good or you're trying to better yourself or, you, or you're just working hard, you know, yeah, and not complaining. you got to respect Then I, I like it. I like the grind. I, I really do respect that. So I just feel like up here there's kind of more people with similar interests in that yeah, way. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's why I think it's just a good place to live because it's you're almost like, look, I've never had, I've never needed to like find motivation. I've always been very self-motivated to yeah. do shit. But up here, it's just like that it extra, extra kick. that extra kick in the ass. Like you, you know, like fucking, you might want to have a rest day and not do anything. And it's like, nah. Like you look outside, it's fucking sunny. The beach is just down the road. Like it's just a good atmosphere. It's a good vibe, and you kind of just want to keep having a go and, and doing that little bit extra. So, like, yeah, moving up here has been the best thing ever. Like, yeah. As I said, anyone that's thinking of it, do it. Like, yeah. What do you got to lose? Nothing. Yeah. Like, I think just being around, it's the like-minded people, and yeah, I, I'm sure. so lucky that 
like me and Sammy have been best mates for like 15 years. Yeah. So we've always shared, we've got the same mentality now as we did 15 years ago yeah. when I was like 18 yeah. and he was, you know, probably like 20 yeah. and, uh, and we both had no money. Yeah. Like literally nothing. Yeah. Sleeping yeah. On shitty, but we had the same mindset. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it just got you to where you are now. Yeah. It just yeah. takes years for that mindset yeah. to catch up, whether it's yeah. like money wise, success yeah. wise, like your business. Well, it's like wise. we were talking about before with the training, it's consistency. Yeah, so yeah. you, the fact that you guys had that same mindset back then when you didn't have anything, but it's that mindset and being consistent and, and still chasing those goals yeah, for yeah. fucking... It doesn't take six months or a year. It's like... It might It's taken, you know, eight years ten, maybe. Ten, ten year ten, overnight ten success. Year, yeah, yeah, but that's but that's what... That overnight success shit's a joke. Unless yeah, you're yeah. a fucking influencer or influenza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. on OnlyFans. But like that, that's what you need to do to be successful. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what it's like. You, you guys have obviously stayed consistent and like... You know, like Sammy's like one of the best blokes I've ever met. Like 100%. he's a fucking legend, and like, yeah. and he's like probably one of the most generous people I've ever met as well. And and he he doesn't want to make it known that yeah. he's generous. He 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 flies under the radar in that way, and he just likes to help people out. And um, yeah, like it's fucking cool, you know. Yeah, so I think that when you when you yeah, those people matter more than like almost your environment. You yeah, know what I mean? like for sure. you should really seek out people that inspire you or yeah. people because it's it's funny like even like sam and maddie both yep. make more money than me so like at no even at no point in the success of like what i've been doing as it gets bigger and better like i'm still looking up to, to yeah, those yeah. guys you know so it's like you're always if you're always around people that are doing better than you yeah. then, then you're like you never even get a chance to like get your <laughs> ego over yeah. and play you never get to be the fucking man because you've yeah. always got boys well, around you that are, you know what it's like totally different sort of um thing but it's like when you're a motocross rider and when you're younger and you always train with someone who's a bit older or a bit faster and it's you know it's like danger boy like he started at star and it was a big fucking it would have been nerve-wracking for him but you're riding with these people that are a bit older a bit more um experienced and they're faster and it's like look how you they just literally it's like they got a tie down strap to your front mudguard and they pull you along and and then you become them at a younger age or or whatever it is so it's like i think it's so important to to do that and you you never want to be the smartest or the most successful the best person in the room you just want to be the hardest worker and then if you can try to you know, do do things that other people are doing and just follow in what they're doing, you know, then it's only gonna make you a little bit better. So I think that's the way to that's the way to look at it, I reckon. Everyone has a different opinion, but No, no, I'm that's the go. Yeah, that's the fucking go. So how did it feel coming up into the like 50, 60 crew because you're like an outsider. Like those yeah. boys have been working together for so long. Like they're fuck literally best mates yeah. for like years. So was it hard to kinda come in and sort of be a bit of an outsider but yeah well look work towards the same sort of goal or not um i wouldn't say I, the, all the boys are very um inviting i'd say but I, I mean the thing that was that was it was like an easier sort of transition for me because people like sorely you know like I, like we we're talking about earlier when he i was in like has known you for since so i was long. eight years old yeah and um and top dog not as long but like because top dog's always been such good mates with cam sinclair like i've i've been able to be friends with top dog for a lot of years now as well so uh and then obviously harry i've known harry for a while and uh and birchie like 
you know, when we were doing the tours in not like nitro stuff when i was 16 and i was just the the plus one on the four person flip but like birch he was always there and like all these guys so i've been lucky that we've already been mates for years and years and years before me moving here so it's not like i moved up and I, you know it would have been a bit different if i moved up and i'm like hey you guys have got a compound can i like it was i didn't even expect to ride there i was just like i just got to get here and just figure it out as it yeah, goes yeah. but it was pretty good man it was a very easy sort of transition for me because um like i probably have you know i probably have as many friends here as what i do in melbourne you know yeah. or, or close to so it's not like um for instance when i moved to china i didn't have any friends yeah, <laughs> like yeah. there's a lot yeah that's but, a rough road yeah yeah but no it was like it, it was really cool you know and it was like basically straight away you know once obviously because i've known him for long but we don't hang out often but then once i was up here for couple of weeks it's like you kind of just join the program and it's like you know like you've been feels like i've been living here for 10 years sort of thing so yeah, yeah. um yeah like it it's fucking it's cool it's um it was it's been really good you know definitely no complaints from from me so and, and i've met a lot of other cool people since being up here and um yeah same sort of thing it's just it's been unreal i've got nothing it's nothing that i would have wanted to have done differently or i wish would change or anything like it's just been a smooth sort of transition yeah. um i had I had work sort of organized before I moved up as well with, with Raceline. So I hadn't been in the suspension game for a couple of years, well, quite a few years, because I'd been doing um, construction and all that other brick lane. I'd done a bit of chippy work, concreting, um, drove, yeah, truck driver. I've done heaps of <laughs> heaps of shit, but I was like, get, I, I do really thoroughly enjoy um, suspension. I really, really do like it. So um that was cool so i kind of already teed that up at the time kevin williams owned it yeah so i teed that up with him so just so i knew that i'd already i'd have somewhere to make money to pay for shit while yeah. i was here so that was kind of again an, another easy transition i didn't have to get up here and start handing out fucking <sighs> business cards yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not that i have either of them but um but no it was like it was just awesome you know like everything happened pretty easy and um you know it's not i guess it's not always going to be that easy but again you never know until you have a crack at it like it kind of in my head it was going to be a bit harder than what it was but it, like i you know you always think oh i'm gonna move here like how am i You're gonna trying to prep for worst case yeah scenario. but it's not that hard you just I'll just load your van up and fuck off like, yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah. easy you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean and i always just especially if you got a good chick that's down to yeah you know. she was keen as and you know a good thing about with her is like she it's like three of her best friends from Melbourne who she like went to school with and she used to work with, they moved here like two years ago. So coming up here, she already had like some of her own friends, friends from yeah. home that she's known for her whole life and she now works with them up here. So that's another way it's been really cool is because like obviously Beth's been able to meet a lot of my mates, um, partners, wives, whatever, and, and built good friendships there. But it's good that she can feel comfortable with her own friends from home as well. So it doesn't get overwhelming, you know, like having to change your whole life. Like, so yeah, it's like, yeah. so it just, honestly, it's worked out like probably better than I could have planned it. So, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's been, um, yeah, it's been good, good transition. And so you were, when, before we left off the piss, you were talking about hitting the moon booter for, yeah. the, for the first time. So, yeah. and so when did, um, when, so also as well, so it's Nitro sort of like a sponsor at this point. And like, um, and when did nah. the black rifle coffee thing happen? Like, so yep. how did it? How did that whole thing work out? Because like, we're getting pretty close to World Games by this point. Like, yeah. we're, we're in. Yep. What what so, month? Like March, April. This year. Yeah. Like, nah, when, when would so it be that you're hitting the the moon? Four weeks before. 
Fuck, really? I had never jumped a moon Buddha before that. I jumped things that were similar, but I'd never jumped a moon Buddha at all. So I'm talking four weeks out, man, because I broke the coll- I broke my collarbone, and then I come back and I still didn't know what I what trick I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know exactly how, how it was going to work. Do it? And at one point, I wanted to go back to Jacko's and and prep, like work on some stuff there, but then that kind of just never really eventuated. So I'm like, well got to figure something out um so then but yeah nitro not not at all a sp- like a sponsor at you know at this point in time like just a you know like a, I, don't, I don't know what you call it but just no one had done anything with nitro for a couple of years because of covid and all that so yeah, like no yeah. one's really we're all in the same position i, I guess you'd say but yeah. um yeah i jumped the yeah jumped the moon Buddha just in standard spec like just on flat ground and i was like damn like that's a great ramp like it's just felt you know felt really good and i was like i straight away i got me thinking i'm like that that thing's got some potential so i sort of just came up with um what i thought it needed to to do a triple flip um and then i had good friend who i met up here brock taylor so uh he he came out he's a funny legend for this because he he was working i think he's got a back he's got a background in like um like welding and all that kind yeah. of stuff but he, he's working as a chippy so he he was working his normal chippy job and then he's meeting me at the compound new south Wales, like it's technically new south wales but he's still driving he was working in broad beach so he's driving an hour after yeah. work he's a, to he's meet me legend. oh do you know him yeah, 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 yeah so he's yeah. meeting me there right and then he's bringing um I, I just ran around and got all the materials we needed. I found some mesh in fucking uh, or halfway to Brizzy and I found the rest of the steel locally in Burley and stuff. And then I already knew exactly what I wanted. Like I knew how much I wanted to lift it and I knew exactly how much flat I thought I needed. Um, and then, yeah, we had like, dude, we had like ladders set up as like scaff and like he brought his, um, we had like a Jenny in that and brought his welder and it was just all like full ghetto wearing thongs like chinese work boots and that and we, we just worked till till it was dark and then so the, what moon booter were you modifying the one that, ha, that yeah had. so i think i think nitro owns that yeah that ramp yeah, at, yeah. at 50 60 so um yeah so just modify that so what i did because uh, a bunch of people have asked how what it was and everything and it was i jacked it up 320 mil and that was i only wanted it 300 but i found a piece of steel that was at 320 and it, i'm like well, you know that works perfect so bolted the ramp to that so that was to lift it yeah 300 mil higher and then i did a 600 um 600 mil extension of just dead flat because the moon Buddha has a it's an interesting style of ramp the in america they always have that flat piece on top which back in the day i never really understood but then as i've learned travis taught me about him to start off with but as i've learned it's actually a really really good help so any ramps i have in the future for triples or tricks like that will always have that flat piece because what that allows you to do is you can almost be slightly lazy or not perfect with then you can like pull into that thing yeah like that flat to like pull against yeah if you pull the tiniest little bit too early on a on a constant radius it's like game over your your rotation is going to be shit yeah pull and and with your doubles and triples especially you got to pull the later you pull the better so what that flat piece allows you to do is to pull you might pull the tiniest little bit too early but because your bike's sort of level on the flat Mm. like it's the same so i kind of never really understood it until i jumped one and then i'm like oh that thing's like it makes a lot of sense so brock yeah brock welded um 600 of just flat and then yeah 300 jacked up so we were down there working 
leading up to there, I was I was at the compound like I was working at Raceline during the day, and then I was down at the compound every night till dark, just doing bits and pieces and tidying things up and stuff. And Brock was going mad, and then um, yeah, and then I obviously rode that whenever it was it was the next week or something and then um yeah straight away i was like fuck this thing's this we're thing's, on yeah it's good like it was it was just seemed seemed to be really good and i did a couple of different things with the bike like played around with the gearing a little bit and um you keep in mind i was still in second gear i had the option of third gear um so i went like a smaller front and rear sprocket sprocket from standard to try to give me a bit more of second gear yeah but i had the option of third gear um but i didn't need to worry about third gear because i was able to once i've got all my stuff sorted as far as the bike set up and um and everything like that and the power of the bike and everything i kind of um like i could i could over rotate them in second gear if i needed to if i got everything right so i kind of didn't have any need to worry about going in third gear because then you gotta worry about changing your technique to not over rowy and stuff so yeah yeah i just um yeah so just worried about that you know and, and just sort of kept doing that but that's like i think by the time we got it done it was like maybe maybe three three weeks out from world games um so yeah we're just sort of doing that and getting it ready and then it was cool because i could finally tell because nitro were hitting me up for like um they wanted the dimensions of the ramp so they could get like nitro circus banners made to fit yeah yeah and before this i had no idea but I, can, I was just, I probably pissed off with me because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get them for you soon. But I had no idea of what ramp I was using. I didn't want to tell them because then they'd pull it uh, yeah, from yeah. World Games. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll get them soon. Yeah, sorry, man, I'll get them done. And like in my head, I'm like, I haven't even got a ramp. Like, yeah, just yeah. before I've even jumped the thing, I'm like, oh, we'll just, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I'm like, I'll fucking make my own banner if I have to. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, cut, yeah. I'll take some I'll take some blue uh, material and cut it out and make it myself. But um, but I was like stoked because then I could finally like send them some footage and show them that I was doing it. And then that was like, all right, sweet, we're on. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the beauty of that was I could, like I was saying earlier, I always wanted to do it on a smaller setup because then I can just use the normal down ramp that they use on tour, which is the Moon Buddha landing. Because yeah, you know you. With the the mods that uh, that we made to the ramp, you go a little bit higher than a moonbirder, but not not Enough extremely. To need nah, yeah, like yeah. the down ramp was plenty of room, you know. And the way that I kind of had it set up at World Games was side so land right at the top to try to make it as smooth as possible. Um, which you know, which it was like it was it was fine landing at the top. So there was a lot of place to, to land. Like I could have gone a bit further, but. I guess the beauty of those ramps when they're like a moonbird ramp, especially with it being a bit steeper, you can hit it a bit faster, but all you're going to do is go, go a little higher. bit higher. Yeah. You're not necessarily going to go much further. Yeah. Um, but then like with the triples and stuff, you go, if you hit the ramp faster, like into the ramp, you're actually going to mess up your rotation because if you come in faster, you don't have that same bra off the lip and yeah. you lose a lot of momentum. So you'll actually go You're from... You're like stalling yourself. Yeah. So like that's why you'll see, you know, you come in slow and like I, I actually roll my wrist. I learned this from Cam Sinclair when he was doing doubles, but my throttle hand, I, I roll it forward like this. Yeah. So that when I give it full, thr I can give it full throttle 100% and my and elbows like that. Here, I'm yeah. not doing a chicken Dude, wing. You know, it's fucking mental. What? That's what Toby does at Fink. 
Really? Yeah, that's fucking sick. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Dude, he goes like, you'll just, yeah, you'll yeah. just see me sitting there. He goes, yeah. oh, and then he's just like, yeah, because then you're just, like that. Because then like, you're, you're, in, the on, you're yeah. in the attack position and you're yeah. strong. Yeah. And like, it's the, the perfect thing. So I was stoked when like I started figuring that out. Um, and then like, yeah, so you lock both feet. So your, your left boot's under the gear shifter and you just, I'd click second and hold it up the whole time and just never let the gear shifter down. So I'm locked in and then, um, had a little some teeth like welded on the underneath the, the break. yeah and hold that up so you kind of feel a little bit odd coming into the ramp because the best way to do it is to kind of go like if you can imagine going like a bit pigeon toed like yeah. toes facing in because that way you're locked into the bike so you can pull tuck and you kind, of, you kind of engage your core muscles and you kind of sit like that in the bike and then mm-hmm. that's how you're going to get your best spin so you kind of at the start feel a bit odd like you're yeah, your toes are in, you're hooked in, you got your wrist forward. It's like, fuck, this feels a bit weird, but then you get used to it pretty quick. And then obviously that's what works the best, you know, to to make the make the trick fucking possible or make it happen. So Yeah. Yeah. So when did when did um Harry kinda like you guys sort of started working were you working like together on it or sort of side by side or like he nah, had his well, way, you had your way and it well, was like he, a different style well, or well, he wasn't at the start. I didn't know he was doing it. Um, like I was down there doing him. Uh, I think he was maybe having a. I think he was having a bit of time off. I think he was letting. He had a sore rib yeah, or something. Yeah. He was letting heal up. So at the time, I was doing him, and he was down there, and we were like helping out with setting the bag up and that. And I was down there sort of doing him at the start, and then I didn't know he was doing him. But I think he went down. Without me, he did a little sneaky one, but I think he was filming with Monster. Yeah. Um, and then, but like, so we had a very, I guess we had a very different technique, um, different bike setup, um, you know, different suspension. Like I actually did Harry's suspension and oh yeah, um, like a couple of months before, That's but I, sick. but yeah, like valved, I've revalved his stuff to, he already had a, a base setting, but then he wanted it a little bit different. So I put a setting in and that worked out. Um, but he had like, yeah, his bike setup was a bit different to mine and um, obviously our riding style is a bit different and our body weight and everything. So like we had our own, like we, you know, we both did the same trick, but we did have our own kind of um, twist on it, if you could mm. say. Um, so yeah, so then I, I kind of found out he was doing it, uh, I don't know, like a, I don't know, maybe a week out or two, just before. And then we did, we went down and had, think we had one we had maybe two sessions together doing them like the week before leading up and then um and then that was pretty much it because we we actually got a fair bit of rain like the first yeah yeah and then we had to get um the ramp like that ramp um we had to have that taken to nitro world games in brisbane so that was picked up um i don't know a couple of days before and then it was like taken up on a truck to brizzy and then just kind of kept at suncorp for a bit so um, but yeah, well, I reckon we had probably two sessions together, like we're both doing it. But like we were only sort of like I was happy the the kind of the mindset that I had was when I'd go out there because I could already do the trick, like I'd already figured out how to do it on that on that particular ramp. And being you know a week a week out from a competition, you don't want to drill, drill yourself or get hurt, you know. So my mindset was on the day of the event, the only jump that matters is the first jump because you're doing best trick you just do one jump that's it so my mindset was go out and do just one do jump. one that's perfect and then go home and that's it that's all i got to do because you don't get 
well, generally speaking, in best trick, you don't get warm-ups. So that's not how it is. I, so I was very surprised on the day with how that mm. all panned out because we were under like, not strict instruction, but we had emails leading up to the event. You had to submit the trick you were doing and they explain exactly how the competition works. So, you know, you get um, two attempts and the the best attempt, you know, wins basically like you well they only take the score from your best attempt i should say um and from the time where you get the thumbs up to go you have five minutes so you can like ride around on a flat and warm your bike up river up the crowd but you only have five minute space to do those two jumps so i was you know i was like well obviously i'm not gonna do i didn't want to do a straight jump on the first and have that as a throwaway and then do a triple because yeah probably got more chance of crashing doing a straight jump off that thing to yeah, be honest, yeah, yeah. it's like so fucking peaky yeah um doing like a big ronnie mac you know so i was like but i mean I, that's not my style anyway i wasn't going there to do a straighty like i wanted i was going there to do it on the first attempt and that was that was all i'd planned for like i, yeah. didn't, I didn't have a backup plan because that's what i was gonna do yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it was like Burn the boats. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you do that. You bend a set of bars. It's like, what do you do? You get, you've only got five minutes to do yeah. your thing. So, otherwise, it's you're going there to do it, and that's it. So, that was why, like, yeah, leading up, I was kind of, uh, you know, previous to that, a couple like a week before, I was doing more, maybe do three or four on the day. Um, but then, yeah, leading up, I was just just do one. And Harry was very similar. Like, or he would he would probably do some doubles, and then yeah do one or two triples maybe like in the pre the, se- the sessions just beforehand but um so i guess in that in that way we had a pretty similar setup but i didn't bother double flipping the i never double flipped it with the extension yeah um but i just why was that well i just didn't i just didn't think i needed to because I didn't. I never was gonna do a double flip off it. Yeah, like, yeah. So, I, like, yeah. so you but, just but, wanted to have the triple in your mind. Yeah, whole, well, that's yeah. all I was worried about. But everyone has a different way. And I look. One thing I do think is good about that is it gets you a warm up. Like, so when you go out to the compound on the day, you can get your warm up into it. Yeah. But like, I was kind of just in like the mindset of I don't get a warm up on the day, so like I'll just try to. Yeah, you were in like war it. mode almost. Yeah, well, I just. I mean, but like everyone's different, you know, and and. I'm not saying what I did is technically it's probably stupider or whatever. Yeah. Like some people might say, but for me it's smarter. Yeah. You know, but what Harry did for him is smarter and that, that works for him. So, um, you know, like everyone has a different way of doing things and um, no one can really, not no two things work for the same or two different people, you know what I mean? So I was like, whatever it works for you, do it and have a go at it. And if that works, sweet. Yeah. So that was kind of how all that stuff went down. So, how did you feel on on the day? Like, so I flew... Where, well, I can't remember where yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, the Was I... Yeah, it must have been at Ozex. It was and the then, same day and then it got... Yeah, yeah, so then I flew back Yeah. so that I could, like, be um, at the event. Because I was genuinely, like, I'm, I'm close with Harry. Like, we've been friends for... Like, forever, yeah, for, yeah. Forever. And, uh, and then, obviously, like, met you. I wanted both of you. I was, I was worried that someone was going to get super hurt. Yeah, you know, and I and it's just a weird thing. Yeah, you like, just, you don't just want to be there just for you. Yeah, even you just, though like I probably couldn't do anything for nah, anyone. Nah, but you like, don't want you don't want anyone to get hurt. So that's another thing. Like, yeah, know, like it, it felt heavy. You know, yeah, like yeah. the that, and I, I don't normally get that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, very often. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, like to go. So I can't imagine if I'm feeling this way on mm. the day. I can't imagine 
how you guys are feeling. Like, yeah. visibly, Harry looked fucking rattled. Like, when he was yeah. doing his warm-ups and, like, and yeah. like what he said on the podcast, too, they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to go. And then it got pushed back and pushed back yeah, and pushed kept, back. Yeah, they and kept pushing back. it back heaps. But, I mean, I wasn't too worried. It was kind of, um, I guess it was a little bit annoying in the way of, you kind of get cheated up to do something and you and you, you almost use a bit of your you, you're trying to save your energy because i was at the stadium every day from like 7 a.m onwards and not everyone was there but i was there fucking it was raining i was helping like drain water off the stadium and i was helping the track crew move ramps and i was just trying to be a part of everything yeah. just to help out and, and just be aware of what was going on it probably kept your mind off yeah the trick a bit too in a way oh, i think so but like, that's just the kind of nature i am i want to be there and help out and, and do shit so but the thing that was a little bit annoying when it kept getting pushed back, but only because I felt like I was, you almost, it's hard to explain. You're but when wasting you, something. When you G yourself got. up so much and you get ready and you get geared up, you've actually almost exhausted a bit of energy by getting yourself in that mental state. And it sounds. Oh, I completely for, agree. Yeah, bro. for people that don't maybe haven't been in that position, that might not make sense, but it does take a lot of. Um, I guess mental energy, if that's a thing. I don't know. Oh, mental dude, strength I or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, So I that was kind of um, that. Look, that and th- this is no one's fault. It's not Nitro's fault. It's just how it fucking worked out. But um, look, it was a bit annoying. But I was pretty cruisy. Um, like when we were sort of backstage or whatever, I was pretty cru- cruisy. I was just sort of sitting there listening to music, and I wasn't really talking to anyone. Um, like my missus was there, but she like she was just you know just hanging out doing whatever. I was just kind of listening to music and. Yeah, just sort of relaxing, um, and I wasn't really trying. While well, trying not to think about it, because I already knew what I was going to do. So the more you think about it, like kind of, there's no point. You know what I mean? Like you, but like, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I, I felt pretty relaxed. Well, I felt as relaxed as I could. Um, I might have looked a little bit um, on edge to, to someone else, but for me, I felt I felt it relaxed. Yeah, relaxed enough for the situation I was in, but. Um, but I mean, look, I watched it back and you, you can kind of see that when they got the camera on me beforehand, I do look pretty relaxed. Like I was kind of joking around. I was pointing, we, should, we should watch it, Griff. Pull I was it pointing to the black rifle on my helmet yeah, you know, like yeah. when I was going out and I was doing the doing the horns. And I, like I felt pretty good. Yeah, you were um, in the moment. Like, yeah, yeah, I was, mate, I was sweating bullets, eh? Like it was, because really? it was so humid. It was, and eh? I had like a body armor on and stuff and um, like, I, yeah, I had a bunch of like, you know, the body armor and then like the jersey and i had like some um ballards like pants with the yeah, padding in it yeah, like i yeah. had i had some layers on and i always run pretty hot too you know and, yeah. um and because it was so it was so extremely humid down there in the stadium so like when i was walking around um like leading up man i was just had i had um i had a dry times towel and i was just wiping sweat off me like but i was in a like i don't know i felt pretty good eh, leading like I felt like I was preparing for a fuck to go out and box on with someone. Like yeah, I was literally yeah. like, oh, bro. I yeah. was like pumped, and people were looking at me and shit. And I, I wasn't like, I, I wasn't. Um, I, it's like I wasn't so there. So we're watching it now for the people just listening. We sort of got it up on the up on the screen. So you can see foot under the brake, foot under the shifter, and then the big old elbow up. Big old yeah, elbows up. Um, so see, I landed good, and you can see that last bit. So. People are asking me about that, but you notice how I did a nose wheelie at the end there. Yeah. So what that Go I landed, back a bit, so I landed perfect, but I was so excited, I grabbed a handful of throttle man. Because yeah. I was like, I'm getting to the end of this runway. I'm throwing my bike and I'm going mad because this is uh, this is four years of yeah. build up. So I actually like I think I landed perfect, 
but because it's an airbag, it just like, bounces. It's kind of weird, like, yeah. a, and like I'm ninety, you know, almost a hundred kilos. It like it's like it just sucks the back tire in, and because like we're running like running twenty plus psi in our tires, you know. Yeah. So like, and because I just grabbed throttle, I was just so pumped. I'm just like, and it kind of like did a wheelie out of it. Um, but like I was stoked with the landing, like as far as the distance and stuff, because that was one thing I was pretty, uh, like I just wanted to make sure I landed. Right, I wanted to land right at the top, so it was yeah. at its softest. Because what I was worried about, because having a bit of extra weight with with, with the bike and, and a rider, if you kind of land halfway down, you can. It's I don't know if you've seen with airbags, but you can get that bounce. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And when you're spinning yeah. like that with a even a double flip, for instance, if you land it's like a that lot and get a bounce, of inertia. yeah, yeah, the momentum that you're carrying from your backward rotation, it, it's going to pull you off the back of the bike. Yeah. And I didn't want that to happen. A because I wanted to land at first go, but B if you're meant to have meant to have five minutes in your run, if you've bend a pair of bars or, or crack a throttle tube, you don't have time to fix that. Yeah, so like, yeah. how, you know, so like I got this shit going through my mind. So I'm like, I'm, that's why I was really, uh, I really wanted to make sure I landed at the top and, and I did it, you know, perfect, oh, not perfect, but I just wanted to land it and get yeah. out of there and get to the bar and have a beer afterwards and just, uh, just yeah. like cool down, <laughs> relax. But, um, but uh, it was cool. Like it was a, it was an awesome event. It was, you know, it was almost a bit draining for, for everyone there on the, you know, yeah, every athlete sure. that was there, you know, because like practice was getting canned and it, I mean, it's no one's fault. It was, it it's was just, just it was raining, yeah. like unbelievably raining. And then like in Melbourne, the same weekend for AusX Open, it was sunny, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But then the rain went there. Yeah, and then the rain went there. It then, was literally rain on the whole East Coast of the yeah, country pretty much. Yeah. I was like, what's the chances of like, you know, that night show circus has has had that date planned because it was the same date last year yeah so people that bought tickets last year or whatever it was the same date it's not like so how can you plan you can't plan weather a year out but it's like what's the chances man because the weekend before that it was like 30 something degrees pristine. and then like a couple days after it was like mid 30s and it's like what's the chances but you know because it was super windy too but like if i was doing freestyle like freestyle run the wind would play more of a well be a bigger impact for me i think but i wasn't really worried about wind at all because i'd done some triples into the airbag flat airbag when it was windy as and i didn't really notice it like you might drift left or right a little bit for me i always go to the right but i didn't know like it didn't it didn't at all mess up my rotation i felt because i was like tucked i was one with the bike you just glide straight through the wind so yeah, it was for me yeah. the wind wasn't an issue but like for the other guys doing fmx and like bmx and that like some of the times when they were having to practice it was blowing a gale blowing a megan gale <laughs> it was like gnarly so it was yeah but um i mean look the guys did what they could to pull the event off there was some things that they probably could have done differently night show but no one knows at the time you know they everyone's just working their hardest and trying yeah. to you're just scrambling to make it up trying to make the yeah make the right call or whatever and you know it um yeah it, it ended up as it did and we both landed a triple backflip and you know everyone landed a few people crashed but everyone was safe coming yeah. out of it and you know we all live to tell a tale so i guess yeah. it's a job well done for everyone involved and that feeling right there yeah it's pretty unreal of hey? everyone just like yeah it was losing sick. their shit and the the real like sometimes i think and i've thought about this more and more in my life lately or maybe over the last couple of years is that I actually feel like relief is the feeling that we're actually chasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the relief of something almost something. lasts yeah. longer 
than the feeling of doing yeah. the thing. Like oh, yeah, that, I know what you mean. That yeah. relief kind of just radiates. Yeah. For, you you know can, what? You I can, can radiate for a while in that. I can probably agree with that because, like, the that feeling there, you know, on the, on the, on the screen there, like, it was awesome, you know, and I was pretty G'd up for, you know, for the rest of the night maybe, the next day, but, like, you know, that might have lasted two days, but then I was back to normal life. But, like, the relief, I guess not that I haven't thought about it much but now watching it again I'm probably still experiencing that relief now because yeah. oh, I'm yeah. like oh that's pretty cool so I, it's interesting you say that because I hadn't really um, I hadn't thought about it in that way but now you yeah, you got me thinking yeah, I think, I've, I've I think started, you could be right about that one mate <laughs> yeah I've started thinking about it like yeah. I think it was through like doing fucking jiu-jitsu competitions as silly as yeah. it sounds but it was like the the relief that I'd feel when it was over yeah that was almost the high yeah or it lasted longer because yeah you know i think and you'd maybe be able to speak on this but you land a triple backflip and it's like you're still the same person oh yeah fuck. you know like yeah. there's no 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 nah, nah, nah. i think a lot of people though especially when they first do something big yep. like this or that something crazy happens in their life they think oh this is gonna be it. Yeah. this is what'll make me happy or this is yeah i'll oh, change after this. Like, yeah like for me look i I'll be I'll be straight up honest. I didn't expect anything to change in my life at all. That's so good. I didn't expect it to because I'm not. I don't live in Disneyland, you know. Like I'm, I understand how things work, and not at one point did I think I'm going to do this and it's going to be like you're going to be a star, cash money, like yeah, yeah. no more work. Like mate, I had a couple of days off. Me and Top Dog went mad down in Burley, had a couple of beers and celebrated for a few days. Yeah. But then I just went back to work. Yeah. And I probably didn't have to go back to work just then. Like I could have maybe had another bit of like a couple more days, but what were for? Yeah. Let's go back to work. Go back to your shit. Go, you know, like, you know, like it's, yeah, things at the end of the day, like I said, it's a motorbike. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> like I think it's cool and I like motorbikes, but it's like Jimmy Fred down the street doesn't. Like it's not going to, you're not going to walk down in Burley and people know, like who cares? You just done a jump and whatever. Like, you know, and it, it's cool. It was a triple backflip, but there's so much, there's more shit you can do. Like, I've already put that behind me and there's all, I'm already thinking about other things and, and bigger things and whatever. So, um, but like, yeah, I, I'm glad that I do have that mindset of like knowing that your life isn't, gonna, you're not going to become a superstar. Or you're not going to make heaps of money. Like nothing's really changed. Nothing at all has really changed for me. Um, I'm still, I'm working on a couple sort of things just with existing sponsors, like, contracts for next year and stuff but um and potentially a couple new things which i've been kind of chatting with some people about in the states but um you know nothing really has changed but hey if there's anyone that wants to get behind me i'm certainly um interested i'm open um swipe right or left or whatever you do (laughs) but um because i do have some uh i do have some cool things um sort of planned nothing has been nothing's had the the green tick or the blue tick of approval yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) no nothing's but like i'm working on some things with some people um in the states and got some plans of some stuff i want to do um so yeah like as i said nothing's changed but i do want to keep pushing forward i don't want to do a triple flip and then kick back and start doing bunny hops and wheelies like i want to keep going hard you know i want to go harder like much harder so and if it were up to me i'd be doing this stuff tomorrow like i want to yeah I'm not trying to have a cool down period. Like I want to keep charging, but you know, there's other things that when you're doing things on a bigger scale, like, you'd know, there's things that you, you need, um, it's just a process, some financial support, yeah. like some budget, some, you know, like there's a bit more, you more of a team as well. Like it's, you know, like 
I guess you can see in that moment there, like it's a te- you need a team of people to help out. To it's not you know there's only one person riding the dirt bike, but there's a team of people that have gone behind making that happen. So hundred percent. Uh, you know, and and I've I've learnt that more over the years um, with trying to do some things like this that you do need good people around you and. It could just be a mate that knows nothing about dirt bikes, but it's they can. They, they're there yeah. to give you a set of hands, and yeah. they they'll know. You know, your mate might be a chippy, and he can tell you how to brace the ramp or or, or cut a little wedge to to wedge it to stay. Like there's, you know, you you need that help. So um, it's been yeah, it's, I've been lucky to have good mates around me to to help out. Like Top Dog was, um, Toppy was awesome leading up. Dude, I'm so stoked for him too. Oh mate, I was first comp. I was so stoked, eh? Because like there was a, like a lot of time yeah in that week leading up like i'd ride a couple of days but i'd be happy just to have some time off and cruise but i was down at the compound every single night with top dog and southie i was pulling them out of the phone pit and i was i just was stoked to be there like i was like i'd drive home like pumps and i haven't done anything yeah. just, i've just been helping them but like just being in that like that's what i live for in the mix yeah like i don't if i could do something like if i can do freestyle full time and not have to go to work i would love it because i just love being in that mix you know what i mean and like i was stoked and i think i don't actually know if you can see it on the replays and that but when top dog so like i was i was going out to do my jump just after top dog not the very next but the one after but like and I was kind of in my own zone doing my shit. But then when Toppy was going, like, I switched on and I was so, so stoked. I was jumping and carrying on and fist pumping. I almost yeah. pulled my shoulder out doing a fist pump. Like, I was <laughs> seriously so stoked for him because we had been training together the whole time leading up and we're doing two different tricks. But, like, we were both helping each other where we could with, with a certain trick. And, like, I, I wanted him – I'm serious. I wanted him to land just as much as I wanted to. Like, yeah. I was – I was that stoked for him so and you know because like he had his things to deal with leading up as well oh, like yeah. he uh, he like broke his not broke his hand but he, he fucked his hand up like a week like two weeks before and then couldn't ride for a bit so he went to Bali <laughs> like the week before he went to Bali just went mad <laughs> yeah and then um, yeah like he was you know like there was little things there's, there's always like for there's a best, always adversity especially for a best trick competition because to do best trick, I was telling Southie, he's like, man, I feel so, I'm sore, like leading up to it. I'm like, that's, you're doing best trick. You're doing something that other people don't necessarily want to do. So you have to push through the feelings of being sore because that's the whole reason you're in best trick because other people don't want to do nah, this. No, and, and like, I don't think it would be normal to go to a best trick competition with not having an injury. Like 10 days before I broke my nose, I got 15 stitches oh, in my dude, lip. that was heavy. It's yeah, two black eyes and, um, I healed up pretty good and like I got a bunch of fake teeth at the front here that are all held together in a mouth guard at the moment um I actually I lost me I lost me fake teeth the other day oh. and I'm like dude I said to my missus I'm like what can I, I do, do this podcast no that's, that's all I cared about I'm like what am I gonna do that like, would have been fucking fuck, unreal I was stressing out eh and then um I yeah just ended up a bit of a fucking home job but I've got like a Got this mouth guard thing made, and then we just got yeah, a couple of little. You can't even. Well, you can't really. You, you, can't, you can you tell can't. up close, but yeah, like, yeah. like for people watching, they're not going to be going. Oh, this bloke here, yeah, this tattoo bloke's got shit teeth. Like, <laughs> it looks better with it out, but fuck, who cares? <laughs> but um, yeah, look, there's always shit leading up to a to a competition, and I, I was stoked for everyone. It was a shame that Southie um didn't didn't get it around, but 
Like I reckon that second attempt, he he got his um, feet caught on the handlebars yeah. on the way out and the way back. If and he still descended at full extension. If he didn't get his feet caught, he would have landed. I reckon. Like, yeah. He would have been very close because I think his momentum. If he landed back wheel first because he's got forward momentum, I think the momentum still would have pushed him forward. But it was just that little bit of hesitation on the on the way out and in. But I think he did a. Regardless, I think he did a good job. It was his first competition. I reckon he almost needed taller bars, man. Yeah, well, it's funny because I said the same thing because he's a big dude. Like, yeah. he's pretty... Yeah, he should have just gone full ape hanger. Yeah, I said that leading up. And I, I also said even... He thought he had the highest bars you could get, but I, I was saying, well, even let's get some bar risers on there. Yeah. Like, let's, let's just get the bars higher because you might... The actual bend of the handlebars might be okay, but if if we can get some bar risers on there, that extra bit of height there might allow you. I don't know. Like well, we, I thought he almost needed to have well, it lower, lower it. at the triple yeah. clamps and higher at the bars, just so you got more clearance. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, I just was because I was helping him because I did his suspension too just before, um, just before World Games. So I put in like the same. I changed my suspension for for the triple, like made it a bit harder and a bit slower, but I put my normal FMX spec into Southie's bike for that, which worked good for him and I was kind of helping him out with his with his bike. But um yeah, like it's it sucks, but he he didn't kind of have a hell of a lot of time because he he was riding a Honda and then he got a KDM and then like he didn't have much time on the on the horse either beforehand so it's kind of kind of how it always goes yeah yeah you, but you, you just got to make the best of it yeah though. you have a competition a year away and you're like oh, I got a year and then like you're three weeks out and you're like something's happened you fucking yeah. goldfish has died you fucking handlebar yeah, yeah. it's like something always happens but I've I've kind of learned that that's how it is and and I guess you know the the good guys like the the OG you know Adam Jones and your Levi Sherwood and stuff those guys they just know how to deal with that adversity and that's what makes them champions because it's never smooth there's always something you know guys like that they travel overseas and their suspension gets lost at LAX and then they have to ride practice on standards like but those that's what makes those people who they are and and that's what the general public wouldn't know about but like guys like that are like that's why they are who they are they're yeah, champions they just don't get rattled in the moment nah and like i think levi's levi's such a good example of that like again like travis i couldn't speak highly enough of levi sherwood like he's just a fucking champion you know he's just a good old kiwi bloke and um like he's helped me out a lot with um just just even just general chat but about different things with the bike and like i've always kept him up to date with the triple flip stuff back when i was doing that bigger ramp and um you know it's just been good to have a yarn with someone like that and talk about different things with, with different parts on the bike and stuff and you know i just think like it's it's amazing what what he's done you know obviously with his career but like you know people talk about hard work and there's like people certain people might work like for me i like to work hard in the gym other people like to work hard at whatever the thing i really appreciate and i think is extraordinary about levi is like how hard he worked on not only his riding his riding was exceptional the best style but how hard he worked on like getting to know his bike yeah and then having an understanding of if I change this, it does that. If I do this, if I make this swing arm shorter and shorten the wheelbase, it's going to rotate. Like the amount of stuff that he has learned over the years, and like that is like gnarly. And he's so smart. Like the dude can it's do so specific knowledge yeah, too. But like, I just think you know he. It's just I find it pretty incredible because I've got a mechanical background, so I, I like 
kind of tap in a little bits in here, but like he is like levels above. Like he's like an en- he's like above an, an engineer engine. spec. Yeah. But like certain engineers would look at the stuff he does and be like, oh wow, that's like like it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Like it's yeah, he's um yeah fuck good on him. Like yeah. he's just a, uh, he's just another dude like Travis who um yeah would you know. I'd say, especially now, I guess, you know, he's he's kind of retired and stuff, but just loves to give people help, whether it's even advice, you know, or, or making these specialized FMX parts. Like me and Harry were both running Levi's show with um, swing arm on our bike. Yeah, and right. So, which, which just basically... It's short just short wheelbase. It. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, just another another good old Kiwi fella. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's go to those pics, Griff. We got a couple of photos that we airdropped in uh, during the piss break. Oh, did, oh the only did, two of them have come through. Is that's, there any of my messages yet? No. Nah. Oh, that's weird. They haven't come oh, through. That's a bummer. We might have to do a little edit and chuck them in. But that there, for anyone watching the YouTube video, uh, YouTube version, that is... Oh, a, take the that's a, numbers on the screen. That's take a, the, <laughs> let's get nah, send me a text. <laughs> send send him, a, hit him up. Send us a photo of your hog. <laughs> I should have saved your number. <laughs> yeah, um, all cock shots. Go, yeah. go to jail. Um, yeah, so that's just a photo of a set of bent forks from the 2019 Australia land trip That's so heavy. um that was another pl- when i was saying about that twenty five thousand dollar budget that it costs like I'd, I'd budgeted for a little bit but like that there so i bent those forks and i needed a set of forks like asap you know and Dude, I, but I wanted a pe- I want a set of production forks because that's what I had my settings for and that's what I liked. And yeah, I could have got a set of cone valve forks cheaper than what I paid oh. for them. So, but I didn't want cone valves because they're they were that AAR forty eight air fork. That's what I wanted. Um, and dude, one of the guys that was living with Travis, like he was like looking after the house. His name's Massive. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I know Massive. You know Massive, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, he like called, I think he called Alden Baker. I haven't thought, I haven't like thought, thought about him, him, yeah. him in so long. He's a fucking, so he's we, a G. So we wanted some forks and he was like, because he was living in Florida and he wanted, he was yeah. like calling some bike shops and that and like no one really had any. Was he still living in the house next door to Travis's lake house? Nah, so it was in the Pastrana land house oh, looking yeah, after the yeah, property because yeah, yeah, Trav yeah. didn't live at the property. He had his own, like another spot. Yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure Massive ended up calling Alden Baker and they pulled a set of, like, not pulled them out, but, like, obviously might have been Anderson on Husky and obviously they've got all their yeah. their WP Pro component, you know, their cone valves and track shocks and there's, like, just a set of standard. And I think we bought them off them, but it cost me, like, oh, dude, it was, like, four or five grand or something Fuck. for a pair of standard forks, man. Like, I could have got cone valves for the same price. But then... um. I ended up going to, um, I ended up going to a mechanic nearby in in Maryland there, and um, and then put a setting in myself. Yeah. And then that, but that was just like another little little part where it cost a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more cash. But um, but that was like, and like I was saying earlier, those times where the bike gets stuffed up and you don't, or vice yeah, versa. Yeah, yeah. The bike was hammered. I was sweet. I was like no dramas, but I was just so pissed off because I'm like, damn, there goes you know three days at least or four days of time oh, yeah, plus yeah, yeah plus yeah. some money but uh, the money once i was all in i didn't give i would, would have spent every single cent i had in my bank account i did not care because i was already in yeah but it was more so the time because you can't buy time yeah you know? i've actually got a tattoo here time is money yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah can't yeah, buy yeah, time yeah, yeah. time's very important so do, do you, are you a big reader 
I've actually uh, this year I've read a bit, not much, but I've read like six books or That's something. Good. Yeah, That's real so, good. Like physical books. Yeah, yeah. I just read the Cameron Haynes one. He's okay. like a pro yeah, bow hunter yeah, in yeah, America. Yeah, it's yeah. called Keep Hammering. Yeah. Um, couple of the Ant Middleton like zero negativity. Yeah. Um, my mum loves his shit. Yeah, his stuff was cool. My my best book is um he's a sponsor of mine, Troy Knight. Uh, it's called Havoc Zero Six. So he's a ex military. He was a former combat controller. Um, so Havoc Zero Six was his call sign. Yeah. Um, and that's what his book's called, Havoc Zero Six. So if you see, oh, like on my jersey at World Games, I had under the black rifle had Havoc Zero Six. So yeah. he's and what's his book about? It's about his life basically. Yeah. So he was um yeah just about his whole story and like he was doing some mad shit, you know, and yeah. like done some cool like private security gigs for like presidents in afghanistan like some really interesting stuff but um that was a that was a really good read um what else i've I've read a few this year but um i'm actually i'm driving to sydney tomorrow so i was actually gonna i was gonna start looking for a good audio book because i'm driving to sydney then i'm driving to melbourne afterwards so uh a couple days after but i was i actually like to physically read now i've kind of it's something that i've taken up only recently but i think for me because I've, I've always got too much energy yeah. like because I've got ADHD. Such and, a good way to burn mental but, energy. Yeah, bro. but it's a good way to um, calm down almost yeah, or yeah, yeah. like just to sort of wind down after yeah. a day. Um, I'm the exact same. Even, yeah, even if it's only six or ten pages, yeah. it's just doing that, it puts you in a different sort of state where you can like, like yeah. that, you know, relax. So yeah. I've actually found it to be pretty good. And it's, it's interesting because you kind of like, I don't know. It's like one of those things. Once you do it, you almost get like, oh, I've got to buy another one, or yeah. another book, or you're like, which is for me. I didn't think I would be like that because I wouldn't have read a book since I was at school. And then when I was at school, I probably didn't read books. Yeah, I, like I don't know. You know what I mean? But as I've gotten a bit older, I've just figured that that's so it's so good. And when I was um, where when I broke my femur at the start of the year, obviously I was you know had a bit of time to kill, so. That's where I got that Zero Negativity book by Ant Middleton. And then there was another one that he had, which I read, something about working hard. But yeah. um, that was good. And I actually found that that probably helped me, um, you know, it just was a good thing to do while I was injured because it was just talking about, again, like I say, having a go, working hard, yeah. fucking don't yeah. worry, set back, whatever, keep going. So, yeah, another thing I would recommend for anyone, any listeners, it's fucking cool to read. If you don't think it is, well, you yeah no, <laughs> it no. is cool to read you I'm learn with, you I'm learn you. stuff like it's I did think, you find out because this is one thing because I, I read a bunch yeah and i'm always pedaling the bike and yep. uh and the one thing people always say to me they're like oh fuck i've got add i can't concentrate oh, yep. i can't read i just read two sentences and then i get lost it's like yeah that's fucking how it starts yeah it's just like i always explain it to people it's like running yeah, when yeah. you first start running, you can't it run for ten k. Like, fuck, you can't yeah. do you can't do a ten k. Like, no way. all you can think about the whole time you're running is stopping running. Yeah, and that's what it's like to read for people yeah. when they first start reading. Absolutely. But like, it doesn't take much. Like, Toddy started reading a bunch yeah, of books right. lately. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I I 100 agree. It's like anything you do to start off with, you might not be comfortable. Like going to the gym, you don't know what you're doing. It's weird. You want to get out of there. You want to get home. But yeah, it's the same with reading. Like, see, I was in a way I was probably lucky that I started when I was injured because I had no reason to get up and stop because I was laying yeah, down with yeah. a sore leg. I was on crutches. So I was only laying down anyway. And like, I can't, I'm not the sort of person that can watch the TV and the television all the time. Like yeah. I like, I don't mind to watch it, but not all the time. Like I get, 
need to move around or I like to do something. But I felt like when I was reading, I felt like I was doing something, not just looking yeah, at the screen. Yeah. I felt like I was actually doing something. So yeah. I agree though, it is hard. You lose patience after a bit or you want to check your dog and bone, look at your yeah, Instagram yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but like yeah. I found that because I was there, it was probably a bit easier because I was injured. But it's the same thing. But like, it's I'm, a muscle that you build up. Yeah, it? you just get a bit better at it. I'm still probably probably crap at it but i'm better than when i started so that's yeah. the main thing yeah we've always got room to improve in on things in life but yeah um i think you only know by having a go and the more you do it the better you get it's like that's anything. so good well yeah. so so i brought that up before because you were talking about you can't buy time yeah so there's a really great book that you should read yeah now that i know that yeah, you like yeah. reading it's called four thousand weeks yep. time and how to use it yeah right so four thousand weeks is the average human life no way. That's fuck interesting. All, eh? <laughs> that doesn't seem like much. It does not seem like oh, much. So it's a really that shit really out. I want at least eight thousand. <laughs> nah, yeah, you're, you're no, that's you're crazy, man. <laughs> I might um, yeah, I, I'm. It's a really, really well, yeah. well written book, and yeah. uh, and the other book that I'm reading at the moment is called uh, the Seven Habits, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah, um, I think I, I think I've heard about that on yeah, a podcast or something. It's I was sold like forty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like I've heard of that. The, yeah, yeah, it's one of the best on books of all or time. I, or maybe I've heard you talk about it. Maybe no, so I've I've read Atomic. Ha- I've only oh. read one book on habits. Yeah, no, that's so I, I was listening to a podcast that you did. I can't remember with who, but that's I remember listening and heard yeah. that because yeah. I was. So I got that tattooed there. So that's from. Oh, really? That's from that book. No yeah. way. So it's just like that shit's in, deep. Yeah. Instant reminder. Yeah. But it was like paradigm shifting in my mind. Yeah. It was like once I, it was like learning one plus one equals two. Yeah that's how much of like it was so easy and so basic like the core principle so like this is one uh, like if you get one percent better times 365 days you'll get 37.78 times better at that thing so like if you start reading from day one yeah you get one percent better at reading 37x improvement yeah like it's a big deal yeah and so just having that mentality just like one percent better one percent yeah well mate like i I didn't know about it in that exact way, but like I, you can I agree. feel it though, right? Like yeah. once once you hear that, yeah, you can, because you can relate it back to your life. That's why I say, like you know, I always say, fucking have it, have a go. And I'm not saying that in a rude way, but it's like if you're thinking about doing something, whether it be like sport or reading, or you're thinking about doing something new, but you're like, oh, but I won't be good at it, or oh, I don't know. But like, if you have a go today. You, you're going to be a fair bit better at it in six weeks. So if you keep fucking around at the moment and in six weeks' time you still haven't had a go at it, well, you're already way better off. So, yeah. like, if you just have a go at something, you never, no one's ever expected to be good at something that they've never done. Yeah. Like, me and Beth went surfing the other day for the first time. I was shit. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were both, she was probably better than me, but yeah. it was awesome. And I had an awesome time. And, like, people were probably there going, oh, look at this dude with tattoos, he can't even surf. Bad luck. I don't care. It was sick. I had an awesome time with my chick, and we we now own a surfboard. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's the same thing. Like it's like just have a go at it. Like, and, and I understand that if you can be the if you can be the tiniest little bit better each day, then by the end of the year, yeah, or two years, you're probably great at it. Like, you know, and, and the year's gonna pass. Yeah, there's you know that's that's not gonna wait. There's those sayings you'll know it. It's like you put a certain amount of hours into something, ten thousand, ten thousand hours. hours yeah. yeah, and that seems like a lot, but like. 
Man, if you, put, if you put in how many hours you've done on a motorcycle or, or chasing your business with, with doing this sort of stuff, 10,000 hours will go pretty quick. Like, And you'd want more time. Oh, way more, yeah. Like, to be to be a professional at anything, you want to have it. <laughs> more yeah. the better. Like, yeah. you think about, you think about um, like, boys in the States right now who are prepping for Supercross, you think about how many laps and hours they've done on a track. And... Coming into A1, they're, they're all going to wish they had another three weeks of testing or whatever. 100%. Because you always bro. want more time. And yeah. it's like, like I was saying before with the competition, like you come into a best trick comp or something and it's like, you always wish you had another three weeks or two weeks or whatever because yeah. you wanted to do this or that. So it's like, that's why time's so important. And I feel like you've got to you got to make the most of the time that you have because that's one thing you can have all the money in the world but you can't buy time yeah not yet maybe one day Elon Musk will come up with something where you can buy time but at the moment you can't so you got to choose it wisely I think or you use it wisely and and use it with with GC's good yeah no I completely agree (laughs) so like I guess one of the maybe like last last little question before we get out of here like do you think much about like where your motivation kind of comes from and and the reason why because for the last three hours hearing the story of the triple flip it's like for 98 percent of the time that you were doing it shit was going wrong <laughs> shit was going wrong and no one no one even knew about it yeah and and it's like so there's no validation coming yeah. from an outside source like yep. it was just purely your own like stubbornness and your own drive and i think that it's easy to grind in public yeah and i mean i've noticed that in my own life like as soon as my life becomes more public yeah it become a lot easier for me to be the person that i kind of like wanted to be because there was so so many people looking at you so it's like fuck all right i gotta gotta, like do i gotta do my shit but you're like grinding away with mm. no one even knowing what you're trying to do apart from like a few people yeah, and then you sign slow. a contract that you're not even allowed to tell people yeah. what you're doing and yeah. you're just breaking yourself off working yeah hunt jobs yeah to, well, to do it it's a great question and like i think it's probably it's a probably a hard question to answer but i, I would say there's a couple factors that go into that and i, th- I think probably the most important or, or the most meaningful would be the way that I've been brought up as a kid um, and and the, I've got a great family and I think you know we've my, my old man's very old school proper Aussie like work hard you know like you don't get anywhere without working hard and, and that's how I've been brought up and and you know my old man is an incredibly hard worker and so is my brother and, and that's just kind of how we've been brought up so as a kid I've always you know I've always thought if you want to do something you you have to work hard that's that's how you do it there's no other way you don't you don't fall into something you don't fall into a triple backflip or owning your own podcast like you you have to work so I think it was kind of like it was concreted in my brain as a kid but another thing like when you're saying and and it's a great question about like you know when you can't tell people things or whatever but you know, for me, like during that time, that's where I was. It was COVID. I was getting up at three, and I was going and training in our our factory where we worked. We had a little gym, and I was in a in the factory at three thirty. It was pitch black. Had my headphones in, going mad on my own. But it was like I was doing it for myself, and that's for me. That's why I wanted to do the triple flip. I I knew back then my life wasn't going to change, so I wasn't doing it for an Instagram follower or for a hundred bucks or whatever. I was doing it for myself. So for me. I didn't need anyone to know. I would have liked to have told people because it potentially could have made my life a little bit easier, easier. as far as like 
working on it and stuff. But at the end of the day, I didn't really care because I was doing it for me. So the reason that was... The thing that was getting me up, apart from my alarm, but the thing that was making me wake up to that three o'clock and going and training and then doing the, all the 12 hours and doing that, it was because I wanted to. Because the more I did that and the harder I trained, then I felt better, you know. And like I remember, um, I remember listening to some Mike Tyson interviews and like he was saying back in the day, like he used to get up at three o'clock and he used to just train like fuck. And the reason he did that was because he knew that all of his competitors and all these other people were at home in bed and he was up there getting after it. And then I, I like, when I say I took onto that, like I lived by that for like two, three years and I still do because even now I don't have to get up that early, but I still do because I like, I don't want to go soft. I don't want to turn into, you know, like I, that's how I used to do it all the time. So it's good. Even if I just do that twice a week, get up at three and go and train, I, that, I do that to keep myself sharp. But I think, but it's not for anyone, but it's for yourself, you know? So like, I think, you know, people often say to me, how do you find motivation? Or And I'm like, well, I don't. I've got it built in because, I don't know, that's just how I am as a person. That's how I've always been. And not not necessarily motiv- like, not motivation to be, like, rich or to do this because, hey, I'm still just dude that just goes to work. But I'm motivated to do better or be more efficient at work or do a set of do a revalve, do a set of forks and shock in a little bit less time or do it more efficiently or figure out a way. You know, it's the same thing. Like I'm always trying to figure out, it might only be something super basic, but if you can figure out how to do it a little bit better or make your life easier, then that's kind of motivation. Like you just yeah. keep you just keep going. Yeah. Whereas, so like the, the hardest question I've ever had and the question I can never answer is where do you find, people have said it to me so many times, how, where do you find motivation? And I'm like, but you were right. You you said, "How do you? Where do you get it from?" That's yeah. a different question. So I think I was. It was built in. But to ask, "How do you do it?" I couldn't answer. It's impossible because because yeah. it is built in. And I think, yeah, I, I think just to answer that question, I guess, yeah, I really just think it's the way that I've been brought up and the morals and, and the person that I've kind of been taught to be by by my old man and my mother and, and with guidance from my brother and sister. I think that's just kind of because as a family, we're all very similar in that way. We're we're hard workers and. Um, and not because we have to be, because we want to be. There's a difference between, you know what I mean? Like, so I think, um, and just like a very old school Aussie sort of sort of upbringing, you know, like back in the day that the people were built a bit tougher, I yeah. think. So, and I'm just really appreciative and glad that that's how my old man was because um, that's definitely the way that I'll be bringing up my children in the future is with the same sort of morals and, and respect for others, you know? Um, and that's, that's one thing like to go back with Travis about being a good bloke. One thing I always tell people about him is Travis has the same respect for you, whether you're a CEO of a major company or you're a concreters laborer who doesn't have a license. Like he, the person that he is and how successful he is, he has the same amount of time and respect for any person no matter what they do whether they're a fan asking for a signature or they're a potential sponsor you know like he has the same amount and and i've seen that and like i've i've known that for a while now and i've picked up on that and i'm like that shit people need to know about that and i'm glad i can talk about that because that shit's like priceless like and it's rare these days yeah and i think but see i see that and i'm like fuck i just want to be better now like like someone like him can be like that like that's just epic you know like everyone should be like that so yeah it's um you know and again like he's being brought up by like his travis's old man was a marine like just a 
mad. Like he's, I don't know, probably in his sixties, and he's like got a six pack. He's fit as like yeah, obviously yeah. he's been brought up, you know, and like he used to have to go running in the mornings before school so his old man would take him riding and stuff like yeah. he's been brought up in the same way and i just think it's it's all about sort of the morals that you have as a, as a kid and how you've been brought up and i feel like you know maybe they need to bring back some bum smacking in, yeah, in, yeah, in this yeah. day and age because um i think it was yeah i mean i just appreciate that that's how how i've been brought up i think the I guess one of the things and, and you'll kind of read it like if you read Atomic Habits or this um, yeah. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People I think when you can really like galvanize a habit because th- what what you are as a person is the collection of habits that you have yeah that's yep. it that's right yeah it's like, interesting that's, right. that's who you and like you're, yeah. you're this plus this plus this plus this plus yeah. it's like a car Yes, There's many like, parts. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a lot not, of moving parts. Yeah, you're a a door isn't a car. A door handle isn't a car. Yep. A first gear isn't a car. A second gear isn't a car. But when you put that together, it becomes a car. A car. You know, and yep. it, and you, there's like a there's a that that's the exact same thing of a, of a human. And it's like you you're this person that is kind to people. Yep. And then you're a person that is self-motivated and yep. then you're a person that wants to have respect for people and then you're a person that puts uh, others before yourself. Like, whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. say Collect, a million things. Yeah, but, or if you're a dickhead, you're a wanker, you're yeah. aggressive, you yeah, know, you're... You, you a, do drugs every single week. Yeah, you like... Do, this, like, there's, yeah. there's all these things that, yeah, that yeah, you can uh, do. that makes sense, yeah. And then you end up being a car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And so... <laughs> I'd love to be a good guy. I'd love like, to be a Toyota Tundra. <laughs> yeah, so that's... But that's that's yeah, what it is. It's like you have all of these little pieces and and it's not what you do in one day that makes you yeah yeah strong yeah yeah strong is something that is like consistent over time or fit or healthy or positive or like you don't just be there's no like positive part of you yeah that like it's like a first gear in a car yeah like and that's that's the difference between being a beat up daewoo lanos and being a a Ferrari, <laughs> exactly right, the, the, or like a VL Commie, yeah, with um with stock rims and no number plates, or a Ferrari with a fantastic fucking paint job, yeah, a hundred percent. And yeah. so what what get like if you want to be a Ferrari level human, yeah, then you need to do Ferrari level Shit. things, yeah, and hang yeah. out with Ferrari like people, well, people uh, that are almost like mechanics, hang out, you know, with, that can hang, build a, hang out with other mechanics and other people that are great cars, yeah, yeah like yeah, 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 don't hang out with that VL Turbo. Yeah. I ain't gonna get anywhere. I might get you a ticket. Or you'll be with Jack Miller. But, <laughs> but you know, the the point is, is that I don't, I, I don't know that people look at themselves in that way. Yeah. And like, and another thing that's cool in that that book about habits is like, the person that you are right now yep. is a result of the habits that you've had for the last few years. Yeah. So if you're overweight, or if you're unhealthy, yeah, or if you've, you've got yeah. a drug addiction, or if you're yeah, I mean, an alcoholic, yourself, or yeah. then you actually have habits. Yeah. And they lead to like yeah. those kind of results. Because all those things you mentioned, being overweight, um, or being addicted to drugs or whatever, that doesn't happen overnight. No, that, no, that, that's that, not that, one thing. You yeah, do. that that happens over a period of time because to become addicted to something. It's got to be longer than a couple of months. Like to yeah. say you're addicted to heroin. Yeah, yeah, that's like, a, it's a process. Yeah, or or if you're severely overweight, you didn't go and have a hamburger. And One then, hamburger. And then the next yeah, day you woke yeah. up and you're like, I'm I'm fat. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a 
it's staying consistent at doing the wrong thing for yeah. a fair bit of time and then you look at yourself and you know fuck well, I've let myself go like that's yeah. it's a habit of yeah. of not so looking you, after yourself so yeah. you're already like the product of your habits but I yeah. think so one thing that's interesting uh, that you said when I was I guess asked you about that motivation yep. is that I think and this is of true of like habits as well is that you see yourself as a certain person yep. and you see yourself in a certain way and i think that that's probably the key and and you've obviously for like whatever reason like you took the lessons from your parents and your family and like it did stick and it ingrained in your mind and then you see yourself as the person that gets up every day you see yourself as a person that doesn't have a day off you see yourself yeah like with your suspension that you see yourself as a person that does a really good job like yep. fucking up somebody's bike is not an option nah, to oh you, no you fucking chance you, you yeah, yeah and it's the attention to detail and, and other things that kind of lead to you doing a good job you know yeah but there's and, and i think there's like a certain level of joy that can be extracted in that oh yeah absolutely. and it's like the and i, and I feel the same like the podcast for me, like, I mean, you can ask Griff, he's been at the at the receiving end of uh, some fucking frustration on my end when something hasn't been done like yeah. properly. Yeah. And that nothing's going to happen, ne- like really bad is going to happen by like not doing one thing wrong. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, no, that's yeah. not okay. Like, you don't, like We don't want to be like that. Yeah. And it's because I see myself as a person. So yeah. like, for example, it's like we missed one camera wasn't turned on all the way properly. Like we still got the whole back and forth yeah. of the show, but we didn't have this one solid recording yeah. of like one camera for the entire time. Big no, no for me. Yeah. Didn't matter. The show went yeah, out. Everything's but, but that's that one thing. So like, you don't want to make that a habit of like, oh, it's okay. And then that could, if that, like, no, that shit can't happen. So well, you what double happens check. If, what know? happens if one day Red Bull calls yep. and they're like, oh, we love this thing that yeah. this guy said at this point in time. Is there any way that you can send us that footage with just, just his face and just that 30 seconds? Oh, no, sorry. The camera was switched over exactly me and then right. we didn't. Yeah. So it's like, even if it doesn't matter now, yeah, it maybe will, yeah. it will matter. And it's a certain... but. It, I guess it comes back to like it's a certain way I like see myself like I see myself as the person that can answer that phone call and and deliver on on that so it's like because this is a product of you what you're doing this is your business so this is a product of you and I feel like if I it's a totally different thing but when I do a set of suspension for someone that's a a product of me like the other day I did um, Mike Sleater's stuff which you said was great by the way yeah I was speaking to him yesterday he was stoked but I, I went above and beyond to do some extra things but it's because he's he who he is and i respect him a lot and at the end of the day like that's a product of yeah and and like it's the same as this like you it's a product of who you are basically so you're not gonna give out something that's half of your yeah half of what you can do like you're giving them everything you got so and then inside of that so there's like that outward facing thing which is like if red bull calls or if someone calls they want this day i've got can deliver the way that i want to but then i've also learned in the years and years and years of doing not just the podcast but just like filming in general is like attention to detail and like doing something properly there's a level of fulfillment in that. Oh, yeah. And it makes me feel good. Yeah. So, like, the things that feel good to me 
aren't the like big outward facing things with the podcast like how many downloads it gets or how much money it makes like those things are very important they're and great they matter, yeah. and i put a lot of effort into those things yeah but those things can go up and they can go down and there's external yeah. factors that can act on those things which yeah. if i let those things if i if i tied my mood my fulfillment, my yeah. happiness to those things. You'd be that, like a roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. subject to like this outside influence yeah. that I can't control. Exactly but what right. I can control is doing a fucking good job. Yeah, and, the and only level. stuff that we yeah. see internally, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then and then through the roller coasters, through the ups and downs, I don't let it I don't let the lows fuck with me too much because then I'm like, well who cares? Like we can still make this better, we can yeah. still do this better, we can still have a figure out a way to get it done yeah. faster, we can figure out a way to do more shows. Like there's that big thing in the middle doesn't change for you. And yeah. and that's what like I I just can see that in you and I think that it that's what comes with like you said, doing things for yourself, doing things yeah. for the right reason and just doing things for their own sake well sure, and then yeah. getting fulfillment out, out of, of those yeah. things yeah I, I totally agree mate and i think one thing i'd like to touch on as well is like you know how you're saying like with the lows and stuff honestly as i've gotten older and probably more experienced in in life i guess um i feel like it's only healthy on your journey to have those lows you because to, and i say this to people all the time because i always stay really positive when i have bad shit happen like but doesn't matter what's happened at the time it might not make sense but i guarantee you a short time after that you can take a positive from that situation no matter what it is there's always something i might be very optimistic in the way i think about that but i can fucking always draw a positive out of a shit situation like it could be horrible but and as i said i'm not i'm no one special i'm not gonna know that straight away i i could be Six like, months down the road, I could until be, you I could be it out. spewing. I could be like steam coming out my ears, like pissed off, you know, really stewing on it and thinking about it. But then, it will work out. Like even for instance, I'll give you a good example. When I broke my femur at the start of the year, I was obviously I was really disappointed. Not only was I in pain, I was not making any money. My dreams of doing this triple on tour off this crazy ramp have all gone out. But then, at the time, I was like, this is shit. But what that did for me was that was a sign from someone saying fuck that ramp off that thing's too dangerous you crash on that you might die and what that did was it made me go back to the drawing board and it made me figure out i can do this off a ramp half the size with half as much risk but do the same thing and then it's taught me so much more stuff so at the time i didn't know that but then you fast forward six months of fucking whatever pain and hobbling around but now i'm like i'm glad that happened I am. I would have liked people to see it because of the wow factor, because of the height, but I'm fucking, I'm not going to say I'm stoked it happened, but I'm actually very happy that it happened. Like maybe a broken wrist might've been better, but if I broke, but if I broke my wrist, I would have gone gone straight back. back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even my decision to pull that ramp, like to cancel it. Cause I was still in, in the head. I was still mental. I was like, let's fucking do it. But it was nitro on that. But I'm glad it went like it did because yeah, to fast forward a little bit of time and here we are on a, on the podcast talking about landing a triple flip on, on whatever. So it's like you can always, yeah, I think the, the ups the ups are great and the lows are not great, but it's what you do about the lows. If you can learn something from the low, the low points or the, you know, the disappointing times, if you can learn something from it, 
months, years down the track, then you've won at the end of the day. Fuck, fuck the low. You've won because you figured out how to either prevent that from happening again or how to be, become more switched on and how to deal with the situation or, or whatever. Or you learn how to build a smaller ramp and do a triple flip. Whatever you get out of it, that's what's important, I think. So that's yeah. something... And it's taken me a little bit to kind of understand... Not to understand, but how to well, you how to like do that. It's like lived experience, though. Like yeah, you've been, you've been through it enough times now to know that the yeah. next time something shit happens, that yeah. you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I just got to wait six months. Yeah, and you just know that something. But you've got to keep positive, I think, and and you've got to keep pushing forward. And then that six months will come around, and then you'll figure something out. But if you're just like fuck this, and you're yeah. sitting on the home, uh, sitting on the couch, and I'm not doing anything or whatever. But like, I feel like if you, I think you know staying positive is like so important and that's another thing that i've really i've always tried to stay positive you know and and stuff but like in the last couple of years i've really doubled down on yeah it. and that was why that was the reason i bought that zero negativity book from yeah. Ant middleton and that was that's the name is what drew me to it i didn't i knew kind of who he was but not much but the name i was at the bookstore at pack fair and i'm like i'm buying that yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me 10 of them yeah. <laughs> but and you know because i had the femur broken and all that that's why i bought it and then that reading that book actually taught me a bit too um but like i think it's it, couldn't go on i could go on all day about how important i think it is but i think if if anyone gets anything out of this podcast if you've listened this long if you can try to stay positive in a bad situation it's going to get you so much further and another thing i'll say if anyone is having a shit go at it like having a bad injury or fuck, you got fired or whatever hey reach out to me send me a message on instagram i'll reply to you i'll tell you I might not know. I might not have been through what you've been through, or it could be something so much worse. But at least I can have a chat to you, and I can go fuck. Like, I don't know. I'll try doing this, maybe do you know, or whatever. Or even if I have zero advice, zero. At least we can have a chat. So, yeah, yeah anyone, fucking feel free, hit me up because I like talking to people, and and if I can help one person, then I'll be stoked. And that's and that's serious, like hundred percent. Well, mate, you sent a message back whenever about getting something out of the podcast. I've now gotten something out of you for like three three hours yeah. plus now. I, oh, re- yeah, I yeah. really appreciate you coming. No, on, no, though. mate, and I appreciate it. Like I've been a, a very close follower of of your podcast and and you know your team and stuff for the last I don't know. It's been a while now, years. So um, I haven't listened to all of them, but I've fucking had a pretty good crack. I've listened to a lot of them, man. Like a lot of them, yeah. So. Um, no, I appreciate that, and um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, some people have kind of got to know me uh, on more of a personal level, opposed to just a dude with a helmet on. So, um, yeah, and it'd be cool to get some feedback from people and everything. But no, I really oh, you appreciate, will. yeah, I really appreciate being on it. So it's it's awesome, and just uh, I look forward to what's next. Well, man, honestly, like these are the ones that I just enjoy so much. Yeah, like, you know, I feel yep. like that this is it's so i feel so selfish at times doing this because i get so much out of it so you oh know, but like yeah to, i'm gonna I'll, i feel like you know this will be great for me because at the end of the day not many people know me you know or maybe some people here in australia and i've got a little bit of a following in, in the states but i think for me this is going to be awesome so don't feel selfish because um this is going to be great for me and i don't ex- again i don't my life isn't going to change so i don't expect to get anything out of this but if i get a couple more mates or if i can give inspiration to five people nah, or 50 sure, well then i'll be stoked and that's the, end of the day that's what matters I, I don't fucking care about any other shit that's if, if that's you know we're all human at the end of the day so if you can kind of help someone out or 
give them that extra push to do whatever they're trying to do a bit harder, you know, then I'm fucking happy. So yeah, legend, bro. I appreciate it, mate. We'll, legend. Uh, nah, no, no yeah, worries. Talk Sweet. to you soon. We'll do it again for sure. Absolutely. Sweet. Cheers. Legend, bro. Thanks, mate. That was fucking oh. unreal. No worries. No, that was sweet. Great, it's crazy how fast that goes. Yeah.